0: And welcome back to ATS Live. Well, not quite. This is the introduction to what was a pretty amazing show. I'm Vaughn Deadly and with me right now is my mate, Smivy. It was a hometown gig, the Bondi show, mate. You were pumped up for this one.
1: The Bondi bolo, that's right. Uh, Yeah, had to be back to the hometown in a while. 2011, I think, was the last time I mm. could afford to rent in that suburb. But uh, yeah, came out in a coffin bag with uh, the local gimp, um, who proceeded to spit the winkle. Can, can for I just our actually customers.
0: set the scene a little bit? It was a really hot day. Uh, it was an afternoon show, which we've haven't done a lot of. We've, I think, we'd only done maybe one or two in the past in the whole history of the show. And uh, we rocked up, and it was at Bondi Bowls Club. And that's a throwback joint, isn't it? Mm. It was just seething. There were so many swellings there and it was a, a really... The room felt alive with anticipation. Mm. And um, you were actually backstage around the back of the, uh, the club with about how many mates? Eight or so? Something like that, yeah. And you got put inside a board bag with another mate of yours and... As the music started, you got carried in on top of all these hands down the middle of the aisle. All the swellians were like, what is going on here? No one knew that you were inside the bag. And you got put on the ground and you popped up on one side And then your mate's bum Pops up on the other side And he just spits the winkle All over your face Yeah In uh <laughs> It was actually
1: all set To the theme song Gath oh. <laughs> And I was wearing a gaff And uh, As Freddie Mercury Hit that high note Uh Out came the water From old mate's uh, Orifice Into my mouth And all over my
0: eyes I don't think I've seen Anything like it mate It was a throwback To the glory days Of Bondi surfing right Yes it's...
1: ITN In the nude board riders mm. And i oh mean uh, I was so stoked to have uh, the panel we did that day. Like, I mean, as I said, you know, you, you couldn't have a show uh, going into Southside Folklore without a Broadway on there. And, and Richard Vikulik mm. is uh, just one of the absolute gents from that part of the world. You know, blue collar. Uh, he's represented, uh, you know, his local rugby league team. He's grown up surfing. He's fought uh, at yeah. the highest level in the UFC. And he's just a, a classic knockabout character. Uh, and, and it was Richard Cram the bookend yeah uh, and Credo in the middle yeah man it was a classic classic, arbor. classic the stories afternoon. in this the folklore is uh, completely iconic yeah you know, Sydney the Sydney surf scene it is where the big smoke meets the sea it's the inner city it's a, quite a unique culture uh,
0: within Australia and even globally there's not that many cities with world class surf is there no, nah, and um, I think there's two things that uh, you know stand out for me from this show. The first one was that by the end of it, I was hammered. <laughs> I got really boozed because you were like taking control of this one because of the hometown vibes. And I was just sitting back enjoying the show like everyone else, mate. It was awesome. But then as I was leaving the bowling club, I turned around and the last thing I saw was a bloke smoking a durry out the eye of his dick. And I thought, well, that pretty much sums up Bondi for you. Mm. Well
1: played. Scum Valley's finest. Represent.
0: As always, Ain't That Swell Live is brought to you by the good crew at Billabong. Backing us all the way, Smithy. And this episode in particular is brought to you by graphene, which is in the new bong suits, all the new weddies, full of this wonderful material called graphene. It is the toughest substance on the face of the earth and one of the best heat conductors going And cop this, Billabong are the only suits reppin' it. Billabong Weddies, only suits with graphene, flexible, heat conductive, tough as nails. Get it into your swellians. Let's on with the show. Hey, uh, well, first of
2: all, I'd
1: like to say and I ASB are going to
3: gonna
4: find me because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis
2: tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far off their mouths that
4: this is bullshit, you
3: know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. <laughs> you just drop in and just smack the, pull back, drop down, say, ah! bye Well, I'll tell you still, I did travel some
1: humongous
2: ways. Looks good, aren't it?
3: not
4: bad.
1: Ain't That Swell with Jen and Vaughn.
4: Oh, those guys are back! Right. Get a haircut,
1: yes. Yeah, shred heads, wax heads, kooks, and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. I'm your host for this evening. Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, the sultan of psilocybin, Smivy. Smivy, everybody!
0: Vorno, Bondo Beach World Famous. You spent a bit of time here, mate, over the years? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a very different place to when I, I first came down here. The beach is very different from uh, the early 90s. I, I came down from Mullumbimby, to work on Tracks magazine, which was based in Darlinghurst, and uh, Bondi was the closest beach. So uh, when we came down for a surf, I mean, any hint of onshore wind and you were basically surrounded by human poo, ciggy butts. It was just disgusting down there. Mm, the old Bondi cigar. Yeah, and I always, I always wonder, like, what would Bondi be like now? Would it still be the iconic beach that it is if they hadn't put that extra four k's of pipeline in? But I know one thing for sure. The Aquabumps calendar would look a lot fucking different. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like, February, here's a nutty piece of excrement that washed up in front of the pavilion. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, But to be honest, mate, I didn't spend a whole lot of time surfing at Bondi. Uh, Bondi was the place I came to party. Uh, The goons often played at the beach road and... Yeah, man, I think I spent way more time in the dunnies at White Revolver with the Modern Collective than I did actually surfing. <laughs> But, you know, you grow older, you make better life decisions, sort of.
1: Yeah, I've always wondered what brought people here. Like, the second I could, I got the fuck out of here. It was such an annoying place, man. I swear to God, like, just... I've never understood it. As a surfer, it just makes no sense whatsoever to live here. You basically got this, this torturous rip bowl full of fucking Mossad agents ready to turn you into a human pretzel. And, uh, I mean, fuck, I, like, yeah, just... I mean, I had some of the best times of my life, but a lot of the worst times of my life here too, man. Like, fuck, I was a... A bit of a wayward degenerate at times, as uh, as many of us tend to turn out here. Uh, I'm not sure if you could tell that by the opener to the show, but uh, yeah, man. I think I first arrived here in the mid '90s. Went down to Elsie's surf store on the Campbell uh, Corner, Campbell Parade, and uh, Gould Street there. And you know, just to paint the scene, Elsie was just like the original inner-city surfing anti-hero. He, I think he was the only Australian to ever ride for Dahui. Uh, and He had the licence, actually, to sell Dahui products all through Australasia, but that kind of fucking went up in a blizzard of cocaine and heroin. And um, I think uh, fucking Fast Eddie even sent a few of the boys to uh, even the ledger. But, um, man, great surf shop. You know, I just remember the fucking Speed Freak iconography, the, the kind of day-glow, uh, real funky, like, 90s... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, I mean, I think that's the thing about Bondi too, you know. This is this is where the big smoke meets the sea. It's not like people aren't getting around with flares and long blonde hair and that, uh, you know, straw hat's that country soul feeling. People here, the surface here, work on the wharves. They box, they play rugby league. Uh, they're probably more likely to dress in Adidas and look like Keith from The Prodigy. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, fuck, it was wild, man. It just... Me and my mum, I think I lived in 10 homes before we found a a cheap rental here in the early noughties for my high school years. And uh, I can't express enough gratitude for, you know, I was a pretty haggard, broken little boy when I rocked up here. And I can't give enough thanks to the kind of older community here that, you know, nurtured me and pretty much raised me. Um, And yeah, man, it's fucking, it's emotional to be back here. The prodigal son, I haven't lived here in 10 years since the rent went up. The fucking dog's better. You get that? Um, Yeah, and I mean, I guess the crazy thing about Bondi is just how much is said about the place uh, in the media and whatnot by, you know, by people who've, you know, it's not coming from the people who built the joint and still run it So today we're going to set the record straight, we're going to go deep into some south side underground folklore and we've got two of the fucking best to take us through it mate Richard Cram, the Cramback, the Redback and uh, Richie Vekulik um, so, I mean, we, you'd have to have a bra boy on the panel, man, Talks talk proper Southside underground folklore, and I'm
0: um, looking forward to it, Vaughan. And we also, oh, mate, that's going to be unreal. We've also got another special guest who will get up in a minute, but before we get into things, Smivy, just want to give a shout out to the uh, sponsors who made this happen. Can we get a round of applause for Billabong for supporting the fucking Swellian cause right from day one? It's a risky thing. It's a risky thing to attach your brand to this. This shit show, <laughs> I tell you. They were with us from the word go. Uh, custom footwear have come on board as well. Neither of us are wearing it, but we're going we're gonna to get some. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Uh, child sunnies. Tim's in the room. Timmy, where are you? The official eyewear of the Swellians. Thanks very much, mate. Love the shades. And uh, road mics. These things that we talk into, they've been looking after us as well. Let's get stuck into it. Uh, our first guest... Gee whiz. He's been on the show once before. He actually came on the very first ever Ain't That Swell live. And his performance made him a fucking instant cult classic. Favourite with everyone who saw it. Let's welcome him to the stage.
1: Creed, fuck Potts McTaggart. Get him up here. <laughs>
0: Guess what? We can't find Creed. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this show works. You you spend your, what a good half hour planning it in the lead up to the show, and then everything goes fucking pear shaped.
1: Maybe can someone go out past the kitchen and knock on my panel van? He might be lunging Hong Kong's out the back there. <laughs> no,
0: I'm not joking. <laughs> All right,
4: Stevie,
0: he's coming. Here he is. Let's get him up here. Yeah. Now, buddy, uh, we were just mentioning before that uh, your first appearance on Ain't That's Well was an extremely memorable one. Uh, are we going to see something similar today? Uh,
5: I can't even remember it, really, to be honest. <laughs> I was uh, a little bit drank. But, um, yeah, it's good, good. I've heard heaps about it from other people. and um, Any blowback from Potts? Yeah, I saw Potts.
1: <laughs> oh, no way.
5: Yeah, I saw Potts. I saw him in... Um, where did I see him? In the Medan. Oh, wow. Yeah, Medan. Little fucking
1: jungle death Of match. all
5: places, I've seen him in fucking Medan. <laughs> and um, I was going to Similu, and I think he was going to Tallow's, and we were having a couple beers uh, with the Billabong lads at this, like, hotel, and and um, and then all of a sudden, fucking Potts walks in, and I was like, whoa. And I was sitting next to, like, Bo Edwards, like the team manager of Billabong, and I think he's, like, mates with him or something, and... I, don't know, I was just sitting there, and and he came over, and I was just like sitting there, was like kind of I don't know, I wasn't really doing it. I was kind of confused that he was there, and I was just like, whoa. And then he just kind of got staunched out and bailed, and I was like, whoa, it's kind of cool. And then I think I won.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, fuck pots. <laughs> Uh, listen, man. No, there's, he's a good bloke. He is a good bloke. I, I love him. He's actually a fucking legend. He is a really good bloke, and he, he's a fucking yeah, lovely man. Yeah,
1: but people are allowed to beef too, like fuck. Yeah, man. yeah. I'm yeah. not saying
0: that, you know. I'm not saying we people yeah, don't no, beef. For saying sure. he's a good bloke, I'm fucking him. Beefs are half the Heavenly. fun of fucking this
1: whole caper. Yeah, no, totally. He's yeah, fuck him. But like, <laughs> <laughs> the,
5: like I, I always get asked the question, like, or like, would you ever like, go, like try to get on the tour or something and I'm like nah like no way like but maybe like back in the day when Pots was on like that would have been sick we probably would have been best mates.
1: Mm. I well maybe like they were fucking pretty mad cuntish back in the day like there's some <laughs> psycho like paddle battles and elbows to the head we had uh, Terry Richo on the podcast last night the old school gong legend fuck that was a good show Vaughn down there in the gong mm. blue collar zone and uh he was talking about actually having a Heat with Potts back in the day and, uh, you know, Potts' manager, Peter Manstead, just basically feeding it to Richo, like, in earshot of him going, like, look at this old prick, he got this prick, mate. And Richo got out there in the heat and was like, old prick, eh, and just gave him a bit of a Spanish bow to the back of the head, a bit of an elbow to the back of Potts' head in the heat. Fully rattled his cage. Yeah, he deserved it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, um, look, this month uh, or the last couple of months, fuck, it's been wonderful to see the three three clips in my mind, that showed a new side of you. Like, the surfing was uh, amazing. There was the Fun Boys clip, first of all, with some uh, incredible <laughs> local footage. Then there was the cult clip that we uh, just saw some clips from and, and also the Billy's clip that came out. Are you just loving your surfing at the moment or, or what's going on? Because you're fucking ripping, mate.
5: Oh, thanks, man. I don't That's know. Right, I don't think I've ever... ever <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've ever... Like, I don't think i changed. Or I just started riding different boards and got excited about that maybe. And You're I was rubbish. pretty lucky. Like, I went... Normally I go on trips and I just get skunked and I'm like, fuck. I just get pissed. And then this time I just went on a couple trips and it was cooking. And I was like, hey. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't know.
0: It's simple as that. But what about the boards are longer, right? You're riding longer boards. Yeah. Do you think there's a trend coming? Because, I mean, everyone's been on short... Probably two shorter boards for a pretty long time. Everyone yeah. went super short. Yeah. Do you reckon we're going to start seeing, you know, some uh, longer boards start coming back into quips? Yeah, well, those Kelly boards are fucked. <laughs> they
5: just look gross. Like, even if he does something good, you're like, oh. If only he was on a 6-1 or something, you yeah. know? Like, nothing. Like, Kelly's one of my favourite surfers, obviously, and, like, I watched all his early movies and all those early Taylor Steele movies, and fuck, he's the man. What was your favourite? Kelly section maybe good times or and, and why because he was uh he's just running like better boards and like I don't know that like the longer boards just make you not surf shit because you don't tic-tac and slide out and fucking do wacky shit you just you just do cutties and it's good you know like, I don't know like I, I feel like that I don't know, I used to ride Hayden sports for ages and they went really good for, like, a certain type of surfing that you can do, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just started watching heaps of pots and I was like, I just wanted to get more rail game. And <laughs> it's this fucking
0: irony on a level like <laughs> I can't even believe. <laughs> watching <it laughs> heaps of pots. Hey, um, it's a good segue, though. Like, what's, what sort of surfing is exciting you?
4: You know, if, oh, yeah. if, if
0: you if you were sort of, like, you said then uh, Hayden boards worked for you in a, cer- a certain type of surfing. Yeah,
5: yeah they go good. What like, sort of
0: surfing is making you sort of – because you're a young man and all of us hope that our best surfing is ahead of us. Your best surfing is definitely ahead of you. <laughs> What's exciting you about sort of the future and where you can take it? Um, I don't know.
5: I just want to – yeah, just – keep working with Rod Dalberg and get some more boards off him. Fuck and yeah, Rod. Yeah, yeah Rod. DM oh, skins mate. He's, he's a man. so good. And uh, Bo Foster, he's been shaping with uh, Andrew Kidman at Big Sky HQ up in Uki and um, been getting some good boards off him and, I don't know, just try different boards and that's all I really get excited about now. Yeah, just get excited about boards. And talk to
4: us
1: about this clip, man, like, um, you know, Where did you really score, like, memorable trips from putting this together?
5: Yeah, well, the first section was pretty, uh, just West Oz, which is, like, where I grew up, and the waves are fucking really good there, and, you know, whatever, but, um, and then we went to Lakey Peak and got, uh, got periscopes really good, the right just down from the peak, and, um, yeah, I don't know, we went, there. I, like, We went there for a swell and everyone was like, I don't know why you're going there for a swell, you should go to deserts. And I was like, fuck deserts, this is fucked, it's crazy, you know, too many people. And So we went to Lakey's. Every single goofy in the room hates you, by the way, now that you said that. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so we went to Lakey's and we went to Periscopes and and it it ended up like kind of, when it's big, it kind of does hold and there was like heaps of closeouts but there was the odd one and you can kind of sit on this like bubble way out the back, which is kind of cool and you get this little chip in and...
1: Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, man, talk to us because you got an absolute screamer in that clip. Well, you got a couple, but um, yeah, talk to us through the the one that you really remember, like what it looked like. And
5: it was just like two days of periscopes, and it was just cooking, like like fucking cooking. And so I just I was on the Dalberg, and I was just frothing, and I hadn't really surfed it in good waves yet, so I was just excited to be out there on on the Dalberg and. And, yeah, it was just fucking cooking. I think the last wave of the clip was probably the most memorable one. Yeah, talk us through it. Just because yeah, it was just, like, such a perfect, like, indo wave. And, I don't know, I just got barreled and spat out, that's it. <laughs> 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 Whatever. But, yeah, it was sick. It was fucking cool. And uh, Tom Jennings shot most of it. And Baron Hall and um, Joe G put it together. And, yeah, I was really stoked with how it came out. And can't thank those guys enough for fucking giving me some time mm. to you know, to to make it what it was. They they worked so hard at it, so it was really cool.
0: We were talking to Loey last night. We, we showed a ten-point ride that he got a Pipeline and Jed's asking him, he's going, what's it like inside that thing, mate? What's it like inside a ten-point ride at Pipeline when you're just getting so coned off your dial you can't even believe it? And he goes, I don't know, mate, I had my eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like, when you're in those pits... So he's what, what, What's day. going through your mind, mate? You, like, because... Jed always pushes people on this, and yeah. no one's given us a good answer yet. It's like, what, <laughs> what do you see? What is your mind doing? Are you thinking about stuff? I what's, reckon what's going like, on? for me,
5: like I, I always watch like the searching for Tom Curran and that iconic one. He got a backdoor, and I just like, if I can ever get a wave, just like close to as good as that wave, and that's like. Then, then, I'm, then I'm sweet you know that's like all I want to do is get a wave like that and ride it like he rides it you know because he's
1: the best ever I've ever
0: lived I reckon <laughs> perfect perfect you can't argue with that
1: now uh, are we going to go into story time with Credo because we know you're a special for telling us a fucking ripper yarn man oh no Yarn king <laughs> I go on and forget about what I'm nah, talking nah, about. No, no, they're epic. I love it. It's a real journey. Um, yeah. What do you think? What? what uh, I understand you spend a bit of time with with the the Detroit punk rock king
0: himself, Iggy Pop. Detroit oh, is
1: it? Michigan? Is that the yeah, zone?
0: I think right. so. That's crazy. <laughs> what's Iggy Pop like? Is he is he uh, normal? Yeah. He's, I don't know what normal means by the way. Know. But is he? What's his head like? He was super cool. It was actually
5: really funny, like this house that we're, where we did this shoot in, I'd never met him before and um, Billabong had organised to do this photo shoot in Malibu at like some rich dude's mansion and, um, and we rocked up and this guy who like owned the house was like this Indian guy and I think his dad was uh, like a, a prince or something or he's, he's really loaded but his the son, like, the, this dude, his name was Raza, and he was just so fucked up. And it was, like, 8 in the morning, and he's, like, in this leather jacket and, like, quicksilver uh, board shorts and cowboy boots, and he's just, like, sweating and coke residue around his nose. And, like, <laughs> we walked in, and we were just like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, man, like, uh, I, uh, you know, I know David Bowie. David Bowie, like, taught me how to sing and... Uh, and, you know, like, uh, all this shit. And I was like, whoa, this guy's crazy. And, and then all the billabong <laughs> guys started tripping out. They are like, we got to hide this guy. And they took him d- down to, like, his second little house. Like, they're so fucking rich. they got two houses and shit. And he went down to the second house and, like, some dude had to, like, babysit this guy. And he invited, like, he must have gone out, like, the night before in L.A. or something and invited, like, heaps of people over because he's like, yeah, Iggy's coming over tomorrow, you know, like for a barbecue like come over like you know whatever and and um so all these people started rocking up and all these strippers and like and so like all these billabong dudes had to like fuck like get rid of all these people because this guy was just like ruining the shoot and it was a trippy experience but um yeah Iggy was a really cool guy um just like uh way normal than like more normal than you think he would be like really more like interested in what you do rather than Talking about himself, I guess. Like, he was just like... Like, so you get like... Like, what's that? When you, like, go into the wave and you and you come out. Like, what?
0: Like, what's that like? And he was just <laughs> tripping out. And I was just... Like, so he's exactly like Merge Ed then. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. 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 Fair enough. It, it was, was trippy. Like, yeah.
5: And I was, like, describing to Iggy Pop, what it's like to get barreled. And I, was, I don't know, it was surreal. And But, yeah, he was super cool. He's really smart. Like, he was saying all these words, I didn't know what that meant and shit. And I was like... Whoa, and he's like yeah, he like he got sober, I think like ten years ago, and he's like been sober, and yeah, he's like he's fucking doing good, he's like seventy
0: two now and he's still playing shows and shit like, and then your your band wash got to play with him in Hawaii that yeah that was true that's crazy, man, like how was that night in sort of just the scheme of your life were you just tripping the whole time
5: that was like I don't know. It was sick. It was so sick, but it was like the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done my whole life. Like to learn, like I'm a terrible musician and can't play guitar to save my life and we had to learn fucking a couple songs, but we didn't even know that we were going to play with him. It was kind of like, maybe it would happen if you like, You know, I don't know, sucked him off and he would like, let you play, yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And then anyway, he fucking ended up just jumping up. And we luckily, like, we were meant to, like, do a bunch of, like, rehearsals the night before and, like, yeah, we got this song, like, Search and Destroy, um, Innocent... No, what was it? Search and Destroy, Raw Power and, um, The Passenger. That was the three. And we were like, all right, we'll do it. And we rendered, we, like, called up this guy in, um in Honolulu, and he had like a jam space and shit, and we're like, can we come and, you know, practice? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come on. And so we drove all the way into fucking Honolulu, and we got there, and the guy didn't have a drum kit? And he's like, oh, you don't have a drum kit? And I was like, no, we're from Australia. We didn't bring a drum kit with us. And he's like, oh. And he's like, oh, well, there's a strip club next door. I'll Buy a beer. And I was like, all right. (laughs) And And we went to this strip club, and they had a jukebox there with every Iggy Pop song on it. Like, everyone, like, innocent, all the, like, the like, like, ones that don't even, you know, people know about. And I was like, fuck. So we just ended up getting pissed at the strip club and, like, listening to Iggy Pop. And then the next morning we woke up and we were like, fuck, what are we going to do? And so we ended up just having, like, this acoustic jam with, like, to these Iggy songs. And then, yeah, it ended up happening and yeah. somehow we pulled it off. Yeah, I never th- I thought it was going to happen or anything like yeah. Uh. Yeah, you
1: must pinch yourself, man. Like you're a kid from the sticks, you're from Margs. like. Did you ever think that one day you'd be fucking no. jamming with Iggy Pop, man? No. It's mind boggling. The gravity of that's so mega.
5: Yeah, it's crazy. Um I had like his poster like above my bed too, like the Iggy Pop and the Stooges where he's looking all crazy and, it's like, and I was like, yeah, it's fucking weird. It was crazy. It was I He's the man and like it all happened because of Bill Wong and thanks Bill Wong and you know, whatever. It was, it was really crazy. the best experience of my life. It was crazy.
3: to be, in the service of the bourgeoisie,
0: where can my believers be, I want to jump into the
3: endless sea.
1: music because man like incinerate that's one of the tracks off uh, you you put out a little ep right Five tracking or whatever yeah yeah incinerate's fucked up like your music's (laughs) mental yeah i I know you like put yourself down on that a bit but yeah man it's i don't know yeah it's just good it's good to be
5: able to like um just be able to play music and good way to get shit out of your
1: mind and yeah, what Not sort on other people, you know, so it's good. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you, what sort. it's like pretty therapeutic cathartic yeah, for you, huh?
5: Yeah, yeah, it gets me, yeah, I just like lock myself in my room and just tap into my little zone and, I don't know, write some bullshit and, yeah, it's fun, it's sick, I like it. Me and Noah are actually just, um, we just like got our own little recording studio now, so we, like, it's a makeshift little shitty studio, but it's sick, so we can just make our own tunes and fire it up.
1: You going to put anything out? Anytime, time, sir?
5: Uh, yeah, I got like a little EP coming out soon. Yeah, I've been working
1: on this EP, you know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> nah, I don't know. Yeah, there's some, some, a little something
1: coming. Nah. Yeah, I guess uh, time to bring up our first guest He's one of Australia's all-time sporting hellmen A tube pig slab fiend extraordinaire Who's clocked up tons of vision He's fought at the highest level in the Ultimate Fighting Championship And he also survived the early noughties in Maruba Which were absolutely fucking psycho Welcome to the stage, Richie Vakulik. I mentioned that intro, also lays some of the best carpet in South Sydney, so... uh yeah. Free, measuring, quiet. If you need a uh, living
2: room done, hit him up. Yeah. Rubra Carpet Lane Association, mate. Once you're in, you're in.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: now, mate, I want to go
1: right back to the early years of us. Like, you know, how did you end up in Marubra? You know, tell us a bit, bit about your
2: family history. What is that, like a Croatian name or something? Beculic? Yeah, it's Czech. My father's Czech. Uh, from the Czech Republic. He um he made his way out to Oz in the uh, the late sixties, sixty nine I think he arrived here as a political refugee. Um went through the whole, you know, refugee system and was out at Villawood and all the whole the whole uh drama the story that's story I going on today. My mum's a Pom from Manchester and um they just met out here in the early seventies and uh, eventually created a little vas and uh, my older sister Petra and and um yeah, me my young man couldn't make believe his luck when he was flying into Sydney and looking down at Coogee and you know, the beaches like yeah, you know, from what he sort of got out of, you know, it was like Fuck he was this? he was he was a few tinnies deep. He, he's a brewer by trade, so he, he um he can put a couple away and he made the most of those free drinks <laughs> on the plane. Um yeah, but like yeah, thank God we um yeah, we were blessed to live where we live and um yeah, that, that was the start of the little the vassal, I guess, where I started and grew up at Little Bay, just outside of Marubra. Um but Maroobah was the closest surfing beach and that's where I I was just hooked, you know. I I just can't remember when it was. I just all I want to do was surf, you know, my my old, my mum's um, my brother lived at Avalon, yeah, he was a surfer, again from Manchester, and I was just hooked on surfing through him, and yeah.
0: When you Google your name, the images that come up is like every one of my worst nightmares ever come to life. Like, every single wave you're riding is fucked.
2: Uh, every <laughs> single one. I thought you were talking about a couple of images of the, <laughs> the, the donkey head and, and no. uh, nothing else, but... When did you, like, start to
0: feel that, you know, just these waves were something that you wanted to have in your life? Most of us don't really feel like that, mate.
2: Mate, to be honest, I think it... It was all probably birth from a little bit of small man syndrome, you know. Like <laughs> I, I, almost everything I got into in my life was, you know, probably stems back to that. Just uh, maybe having a little chip on my shoulder, I like, can do whatever the, the bigger blokes did or the older blokes can do. Well, you know, I can still hold my own. And um, but then again, the environment I grew up with, you know, like Kobe and Jai Abrahams, Sunny Abrahams, all those my my um, you know my my idols, like Wayne, all these guys, and their their passion was big wave surfing. And then um, you know, one of my best mates, Mark Matthews, was you know close to my age, and again was under the wing of Kobe and kind of led the way of you know what was possible if you want to try and chase big waves and I was just very lucky to have those guys take me under their wing and and um, yeah, oh, yeah, just a suck of a peer pressure, I want to impress me mates and if you know, you said you won't then I'll just put my head down and paddle and um, yeah, I know, I just enjoyed it, I was hooked and you know, I guess the flip side of that, you know, every now and then you make one and it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, man, fucking Kobe, like, uh, in the early noughties, late nineties,
1: like, he was pretty much the man in Australian surfing. He was, like, a full pioneer of so many psycho slabs. Uh, how much of a rocket did that put up everyone at the beach?
2: Yeah, I, massively, you know. I mean, I think that the beach always had a um, a different vibe to, I guess, other city beaches, you know. Like, it was, I guess, maybe the sort of ugly duckling of the, of the city beaches in that in that, era that I like to sort of describe it as. And, and um yeah, Cobe going on his rampage and chasing big waves and all the nonsense he got up to out of the water as well. Um, put a bit of a spotlight on it. But but also in saying that, that Australia as a whole had this movement of slab surfing and chasing big waves and that kind of stuff. So, um, Mark, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like Marky was just straight in the wing of Cobe. They they went from, like, idle you know, to real, like, rivalry. You know I mean? They were just, like, pushing each other um, to all sorts of madness. And
0: That's actually something that we've we're not privy to really is the relationship between Mark and Kobe because you, you, from the outside looking in you know they just look like they were a brotherhood just doing it side by side the whole way but they, was, they were fully one-upping up each other right?
2: Oh totally you know they um, you know again like Mark's a few years younger than Kobe and uh, again like Kobe did to like Hundreds of young fellas at Beach, took them under the wing, whether it be surfing or just give a place to stay or throw them some clothes or whatever. Like that's just his nature, and um, so he definitely took him on a lot on, Mark, uh, on a lot of trips in the early days. And then as Mark grew into his own, he started to, like push his level of surfing as well, and quickly realised that this is the competition. You know, you know, like we both wanted that cover, we both wanted that double page, we both wanted the best. You know, shot in the in the in the in the, uh, in the DVDs or whatever. So um, it was a super like healthy rivalry. Like they still love each other, but it was like fuck. I want to fucking smash you, cunt. You know what I mean? Like, whenever the waves got be, like, give me the rope first. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, um, yeah, all in good, tough love, but it was, it was on.
1: Man, give us your favourite Kobe story because he's one of the most iconic Aussie surfers of all time, man. Like, he, and he's just one of the great Australian characters, man. He's fucking like in the echelon of Ned Kelly and shit. I reckon he's a fucking classy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Give us your favourite Kobe story, man.
2: Oh mate, this heaps, eh? But I guess. We're talking about coba and Mark and that you know, those days of ch- chasing a little slow waves around Oz and mate, there's, there's one um pretty funny story I guess and I was such a little tacker at the time. Um we were just mate, subtly swell, subtly wind and we don't want to chase waves, so we were heading down to Red Sands. And um Mark had just got his peas and had his old his mum's like a Hyundai XL, like a little hatchback, you know, and and so we all squeezed in, we had boards on the roof and shit in the car and you now these these three grown men and myself in the car and I was just squeezed down in some little corner of the car and we're heading down and all of a sudden Kobe and um and, and Jai are getting an argument over what tighter it breaks best on. And, like, me and Mark, like Mark's trying to drive on his peas, and I'm just sitting there looking at the window trying to, like, you know, think of fucking happy thoughts. And the, and the argument just increasingly gets a little bit more intense, more intense, it's high-tiders, fucking low tide. what the fuck would you know? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> to the point where... Jai just fucking lose his mind so much. We're going like 100 down the highway. He pulls the fucking handbrake while Mark's driving. And we just start spinning in this little Hyundai XL till we hit the gutter and go up into like an embankment. And I've just put my head in my lap as if it's not happening.
4: (laughs) As we're spinning, he's jumped
2: over. Just, mate, laying into Kobe. Kobe's trying to fight him back, bite (laughs) him. Mate... Oh, I was totally oblivious to this, but fucking knives, and that started falling out of people's pockets. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck's going on? And then we end up in the embankment, all on four wheels again, and um, and fuck, the cops pull up, and, and these other people pull up thinking they are got to pull dead bodies out of the car or whatnot, and then it's just Cob and Jai jump out of the car, wanting to carry on, but then they realise the police are there or whatever, and they calm it down, and just, oh, we just you know, lost control of the car and and just try to mellow it out, but it was just... Yeah, it was just an intense little moment where these two. I could see it was Cove was at an age where he was, um, I guess, didn't want to be the younger brother anymore and wanted to like, argue back a bit with Jai, and Jai was still adamant that he was the older brother and what I say goes. And, and it just took off, and it was just, uh, uh, yeah, pretty crazy to know, But yeah, there's, there's been plenty of wild times with Um but yeah, it was just a, a funny one, just to, you know, on those early days of chasing Ways when. Poor Marky Matthews took his mum's car for a little surf trip down the coast. <laughs> 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 uh, we are doing pirouettes down Bulli Bends, And, <laughs> and uh, I just well, couldn't believe it. I just had my head so tucked down that bloody uh, underneath the seat. Yeah, you're in safety position, like yeah. it says
1: in those uh, airport brochures, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That,
2: maybe that's what just muscle memory kicked in is do that motion and can you, you know, it was funny. But then we all have a good turf out red sands. So I can't can remember imagine? what time it was, but it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> we and, yeah, I, got, I got a
5: bit of a story about Kobe. I've only met him once and um, I, was only, I was like 14 and remember when we went to J-Bay when I was like really yeah, young yeah, and man, I, yeah, that's that little, the first time I met you?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, like 14 peach on your or face,
5: 15 with, or something.
1: Chalk top neck tan.
5: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so we were at J-Bay and um, it was like a billabong, like. Grum camp And When the comp was on And we were there And me and this American kid Jake Halstead He um We met this like Local guy And he 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 imported some Absinthe From somewhere And It was good Yeah And we were like Little kids And we were like I don't even know What that is And and he's like yeah have some and we we're like yeah and so we just like scowled this like i don't think we had the whole bottle but we had quite a bit and we got so <laughs> fucked up and we end up going to like a like a little monster party that was around the comp like at this like little bar club thing in jBay, bay and i got there and i was just so fucked up and i just passed out like on the dance floor and just like i was dead like i was like who knows what could have happened to me <laughs> And anyway
4: oh, it's I not, man. Yeah,
5: I've never met Kobe in my life And Kobe fucking Picked me up And chucked me in his car And drove me back to the um, backpackers I was staying at And put me to bed And I've never met the guy in my whole life And I was like Anyway I, I don't remember any of that But I, I woke up in the morning And then I went for a surf at J-Bay And Kobe like paddled up to me And I was like uh oh like, what have I done? He's pretty intimidating. And so I was like, hey, man. And he's like, you right from last night, mate? And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you know how you got home? And I was like, no. Nah. He's like, I'll tell you. And he, like, told me. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, thanks so much for that, dude. Like, because, <laughs> like, you know, shit goes down in South Africa, man. Like, well, I, I could have been 100%. fucked, like, literally. <laughs> like... <laughs> fuck. He saved my life and my ass. Like, literally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's that, that, that's an awesome thing about, the, you know, the surf culture, surf community, whether you need a board or a wedding or whatever, that was, that was, um you know, really alive and well in Marooban. And still this day, I'm sure it's the same and, and Bondi, you know. You need to lift home, you need a weddy, or the waves get big and you need a little board that's bigger than what you do you know. It's like, all the old one's always been there to say, yeah, as long as, you know, you're keen to give it a nod, or you whatever you're stuck and you you know you just fucking know what to do this is i think that's just like a reflection of the surf community in general and uh yeah, yeah it's it's great and that's yeah true trust me because he got me out of a, a few sticky situations for sure um you know in the day and yeah it's uh I could imagine what would have happened if it, yeah. <laughs> you had stayed on that dance floor mate
5: yeah fuck but... <laughs> no nah, thanks kobe
2: mantle well let's fast forward to uh the july
1: swell of 2001 which was pretty much my introduction to surfing in a sense like it was the first time i'd seen a proper east coast low like six to eight to ten foot of fucking properly groomed long period swell and uh man i'll never forget like it was you know the eastern suburbs flared for the first time in my memory uh i remember Cobes got the cover of tracks at uh i think it was chloe Bomby right yeah, the pebble man. Talk to us about that. Were you surfing that day, or what do you remember of that swell? Because it was so iconic for this part of the
2: world. Yeah, well, like you said, it's was the whole coast lit up, and right, places you've never seen break ever were just on fire. And um, that's kind of the, the case with the pebble. You know, we surfed the bomby for ages. and when it got beat, the left was really good. That it used to run into the pebble, and you try and squeak out before it. But never really seen waves break off the pebble, and especially not top to bottom like they were that. Um, you know that swell, and um, yeah, it was just one of those was it was just so unlike any other and it was like all right anyone who's yeah talk a talk now it's time to sort of you know step it i I just started my my carpet lane apprenticeship and luckily my mate was fox who's my boss at the time he's a surfer an old brewer bloke with jimmy olsen all the boys they're like always like fuck the surf's good they always gave me the little leeway to stink off and have a surf so they were up actually we actually just barred a job i forget what it was and just went and watched the boys surf at the bomb and um I grabbed my board and, and paddled out there, and I was just watching Cove and Mark and you know Wayne Cleveland and uh, you know all like Jack Kingsley, all the like the local legends. Just, it was like it was just one of those events where like let's fucking give it a good push, you know? It was like a roots really sort of new wave. No one had surfed it like that before, um, and uh, yeah, just watching these huge lifts unfold you know, in front of in front of the pebble, and Cove was going bonkers, and um, I went down this little six foot bush rat. Um, A Neil Cameron shape Had a little flex tail Off the back of it (laughs) It Because back in the day I I had a couple of short boards I I had no quiver You know And um, to me a six foot board Was a gun You know I mean I was riding like Five twos or something So just paddle out there And um, yeah you know That That um that peer pressure or, you know, just, I guess that small man's kicking in again. I, I was out there just trying to paddle into whatever came my way and just wanted to, um, wanted to try and get as, uh, something as big as what Mark and, you know, Kobe and that were paddling into and Jai and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. I didn't, didn't make money, but I watched the boys make a heap.
0: That was, the, that was the starting gun really for, like, a whole new era of surfing over here, though, because, like, not long after, Ours started turning up on the scene and, uh, you know, waves
2: and, of... Shippies was around the same time. Yeah, but, imagine what Ours was doing on that swell. Cause you guys didn't know it existed yet, huh? Nah, like, and I, like I said, grew up at Little Bay, so I used to always run around the golf courses catching lizards as a kid, and look across the bay at this, this white water unfolding on you know, on the southern headland over at Salander, and like, there's always talk and this you know, urban myth about waves breaking over there. But you never really took any, like, everyone just said, nah, they're not rideable. And then until the bodyboarders obviously started surfing it, and we got wind of it, and and then that's, I guess, the rest is history. But that on that day, it would have been phenomenal for sure. I mean, it was so groomed, and that swell hung around for three days. I mean, it would have been. Wow,
1: yeah can you tell us about discovering the cape man like the first time that you pulled up there and just saw it fucking churning out crazy orbs like talk to us about that first day man the discovery of it
2: the first day was with Marky Matthews it was um we had just got back from WA actually spending some time down in Margaret's and um hanging with some people pretty close to the bodyboarding community over at Cronulla and and we were getting little whispers of the way they've been surfing over there and we saw some footage and in some bodyboarder magazines, but they had it as a left, so they'd flipped it. So they obviously trying to keep it all secret. And yeah, we quickly recognised you, you, you just know what home looks like you know, the cliff tops and the watercolour and all that kind of stuff. And we had a pretty fair idea where we'd be breaking. And so as soon as we got home, right, the next well, we're going to you know, punch it over there. And it's exactly what we did. And Chalky was just, he was so onto it, you know, and it just still is always from someone who could read the forecast to everything, just fuck, this is what we're doing. And I was just the little, you know. Sort of punch drunk car-blade, following him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. With and, What's uh, wrong with that, mate? And uh, that's where we went over a little south. Well, it wasn't real big, but it was breaking so close to the rocks. we were like, "Fuck, is that it?" You reckon? He's like, "That's it, mate. That's definitely it." And because then you just see one just unreal and just spit its guts out. And it was only maybe four foot. Like it was small. And it was a bit of south, and it was it was no by well, no means the best day, but we all just jump out and we had like six sixes and six Like so, you know, we didn't really know what slab surfing was about. We just saw big waves, you ride big boards, and we we're um out there and we were sitting super wide and slowly gradually made our way over to like you know the takeoff zone um yeah and we realized yeah so sort of, you know sure enough marky got one got spat out of one and was hooting and no you know, the way. vibe picked up a little bit and we uh we slowly made our way uh, over onto the reef and uh yeah just just got a, a taste for all odds you know it was it was like i said not by no means an, an epic day but you could see what the wave was doing and then we were definitely hooked you know and just realized that this is the spot that we've been looking in the bodyboard magazines and seeing footage of so this definitely uh we're going to hit us every, at every swell and and that's that's how it was you know? and yeah we just uh there's a few like you know just Word said between bodyboarders, and then that's how we just I guess the name popped up. We just said, fuck, It's ours, you know. Just been these young cunts who just full of bravado and you know, testosterone. And, and surf media ran with it, and that's and that's um, that's how it all took off. And we were just there every spell since, yeah.
1: Fucking so wild. I actually saw a couple of the local boogs here today who were uh, surfing it before you guys. and I know, I know one of them's absolutely dying inside at the moment, so yeah, it's all good. Man. Yeah. Do
2: you know who the first bodyboarder was to surf it, or like, no, I don't, I know, um. One of the first, Mike Stewart was out there, and, and he was no, not Mike Stewart, um, the Aussie guy, Ryan
5: Hardy, or nah. no, Mitch Rollins, nah, no, no, well, Thomas Robinson, Mike <laughs> Stewart, Matt, was Mark Stewart's Matt, Stewart's Matt Lamar, was a couple of dudes. It's funny and...
2: because that same crew that used to surf at, we ended up chasing the right with over in WA and doing all these, you know, chasing similar waves. And I used to get on like you know with Damien King and all the boys, and you know like all the boys from WA who um you know Mitch Rawlings and all that. As much as we had banner in the surf and they got a bit heated at the times, there's a mutual respect there. And what they did, like they used to just travel for weeks on end, living off magi noodles to find waves like you know, you know, Ron dogs or you know yeah. around waves around Cyclops, and they were they were hardcore, you know. And then we'll we'll we just like the little um, the vultures hang around to sniff out what they had found and try and swoop, you know. And, yeah.
5: yeah, it's crazy. Like the bodyboarders have pioneered pretty much every slab over Australia, like yeah. literally every slab, it's like, and, and they go on these crazy missions where they're just like, we know these lads that like, they buy like a $500 car and they drive it like from the East Coast to the West Coast yeah. And they're just like six of them in there, and they're just so keen, and they're just all off some. Always like the first one. A that story went.
2: they've heard off an abdiver about a wave that yeah. broke off near this, near this crooked tree and a boulder. It's cool. you know, cool, and they yeah. go and chase it <laughs> yeah. and spend weeks there, and they'd it, they do find it. They
5: do, man. They're so cool. I'm so fucking, lot of respect to them.
1: I oh, mean, man, that was like the start of such a wild time for Maroubra and just South Sydney in general. Like, so much went down in such a few short years there. Uh, I mean, you had everything from, obviously, uh, I mean, you found that wave and that kind of just absolutely skyrocketed um, the Bra Boys to... Surfing celebrity guys were getting covers and shots in every mag. like people making a living off it? Uh, and then obviously after that, there was the, the shooting of Heinzie, Jai Aberden getting in all that strife and uh, that kind of fucking that. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh,
2: mate,
1: it, yeah, it happened ten years ago, man. It's so like you don't have to spill beers over it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Jai's not in the crowd, don't worry. But, uh, I mean, obviously that, you know, brought a lot of people under a lot of scrutiny, Uh, I mean, and then, fuck, you had, like, coming up hot on the heels of that, you had the Cronulla riots, and it felt like the whole area was teetering on the edge of a a civil war for a period when the fucking Comancheros were getting involved and all that shit, it was so wild, you know, I was 18, 19 at that point of time, and it was just a wild time, Um, yeah, man, what, like, you know, it's kind of surreal looking back on it all, really, don't you reckon?
2: Mate Taylor, yeah, you pretty much nipped it in the bar then. and see so real, especially now to see how the, the place is now, and it's just how the whole area is now, how it's changed. And yeah, when you're in amongst that time, when it was all happening, you're kind of just caught up in the madness and we're like, fuck, I like, didn't really give a fuck, and we're just like rolling with it, and it felt the norm, you know, And until obviously you're like 10, 15 years removed and you look back and go, fuck, that was wild. I can't believe that shit was going on, you know. Um, but it was it was a wild time, and it, it definitely, for a few years, shaped the area, and definitely a few generations came out of that. Probably came out a little, um, I guess, not sure, which, you know, we got a little bit lost with that direction and didn't know, yeah, I guess. Oh, well, you didn't do well, nothing wrong. I mean,
1: it was like the, you, you guys kind of got brought into this seething race, right? That you had nothing to do with. Yeah, it. And I just
2: like, I think maybe they lost what they actually wanted to do, you know, the actual goals and ambitions, but just got caught up in the madness and like, you know, got caught up in that fuck it attitude and, you know, made crazy young decisions as we all do as young fellas and mm. women. Anyway, regardless of the environment you're grabbing, it was it was a pretty testosterone charged environment, say mm. the least. And then with all the manners that going about it, to to navigate your way through that as a young fella, it was it was difficult, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, a lot of us made silly mistakes, myself included. But it was a wild time, and and um, yeah, thank God that. Uh, We've all sort of got through it and can look back at it now and like you know take, learn lessons from it and yeah. yeah we're all just a little bit punch drunk it's all good man, oh, man. yeah well <laughs> the doco when that came out and, and the, the you know the, the notoriety and and uh, attention that brought and obviously like the acclaim and one episode awards and went you know global and highest grossing code.
1: Australian documentary of all time I'm yeah, pretty so, sure like it so fucking just exactly killed and, and Cobe being
2: yes mate and um being where he was, it just in his level of surfing and then that level of celebrity, you know, with the whole Paris thing and then the doco and getting Russell Crowe to narrate it. It just went bonkers, you know, and, and that, um... It, it did, it like, it, it, that rippled back effect to Maroubra, just in the other you know, local community and shit was getting weird and all kinds of crazy stuff, but it was, uh... What was the weirdest it got? Well, like, give us your... <laughs> give well, us your, like... Because it that, got
0: pretty fucking weird. Weirder than the Boys hanging out with Paris Hilton. It's All hard right,
2: to talk, pretty, but, uh, yeah, like, paint the
0: scene of what that looked like, man. I
1: mean,
2: you're a, like? car, you're a fucking... You're a, a car, car man, like, I'm the
1: son
4: of a
2: refugee from the Czech Republic. She
4: someone
2: yeah. good to say. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> you're in fucking Beverly Hills. Yeah. Well, Cope was living in, the, in LA at the time, you know, so and, and his missus at the time, uh, Tossie was... They were mates with, with Paris, and I was just at home laying carpet, so fuck, I wouldn't know, but they were, um, you know, getting along and carrying on, and, and then boys would go over to do trips, and then we did, like, premieres in the States, and... um. Yeah, like, it was... Like, for me, I was just a little, little pissed idiot running around having fun. I, you know, I didn't really get caught up in all that, you know, all of the uh, the celebrity of it all. Just out there with your mates celebrating that we fucking somehow put this little film together and it's doing all right unless it's going on holiday. And, uh, the fucking the, the guys who made the film are paying for it. So we're just yeah. still like, we were just fucking... Um, just trying to make the most of what you know what was in front of us. But Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Like and just seeing Cope and like Daily Telegraph and that every day and that kind of shit. You know, I was like, fuck... Because prior to that, obviously, like I said, it felt like the ugly duckling of, of the city beaches. And now you've got your best mates you grew up with, like, covering of the Daily Telegraph and shit and with these other celebrities. And, yeah, it, w- it was just a bit of a spin-out. And, and um, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun, I'd say the least. I guess it was. It was fun. And um, good learning experience. Take a lot of lessons. Yes, please. It was, yeah, it's good to look back on and we survived.
1: Fuck, yeah. Fuck, it was wild, man. Such a wild time. I was, I was uh, playing football down there at Maroubra actually, at the time. And I can remember a week after the Cronulla riots, uh, having to go play a game at fucking Villawood versus Kingsgrove. They were like this team of fucking giant jacked Lebanese characters. And uh, cop cars parked around the ground, just fucking roided up concreters in skull caps and Islamic garb on the sidelines, just going, whack him, you there! Whack him! Whack him! It was... Uh,
2: it was pretty. That's wild. Exactly right, and you throw the, the race riots in the mix too. That was such a fucking wild time as well. Like you look back at that, did that really happen ten years ago or twelve years ago? Like that's wild to think that that happened so so recently. You know, and uh, I'll never forget, you know, man, that night as well. Like
1: uh, when the you know when there was the kind of blowback, there was obviously the the riot. And then uh, there was the blowback the day later where there was just all fucking carloads, mate. Like fucking pretty much hundreds of people just pouring through Cronulla and coming up the coast, uh, just burning and looting and fucking smashing cars and setting shops on fire and shit. And I'm just, you know, we're getting texts on our phone going, that you're coming to Bondi, and we're just going, fuck, what is this? And I remember at that point too, hearing whispers as well, like just some classic like old school IRA shit, like, you know, all the the young Maroobra Groms, like stashing crates full of Ricks on the top of fucking uh, the you know shops along Marine Parade. They're trying you know basically just it down the hatches and preparing to fucking defend the joint. Like that is that all true? I don't know if, yeah, how mate, much that's true, but like wow, they're
2: like Molotovs and everything on the on the top of the rooftops. Are they like they went right on with that that whole mentality kicked off. Like I mean, everyone's proud of their home, and to hear that this is going to happen, and obviously it kicked into gear, you know. And and the racewatch was a, a funny thing because. Uh, you know, like we have in this whole eastern suburbs community, growing up with Lebanese friends from school, Samoans, you know, Afghanis, you know, English, uh, yeah. Irish, a- every colour and race and, you know, under the sun, and to have it all kick off, and then um, everyone's to be proud of their little patch, go, fuck, I don't care who's fucking coming, but this is our little patch, and this is our home, and we are to do more,
1: mate, fucking gave us a bad name. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
2: it was. It, they it made was a crazy. good comedy
1: movie about it. Hey, Have what, you seen that? The top yeah, it's a the film. it's
5: good film. The race, right? Yeah. Like, I
2: was in Stitches. It's amazing, eh? Yeah.
5: I watched it on the plane once. And I was Fuck, there was a few other kinds in Stitches after, I was after that night. This is Don't worry about that. You should watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's a good film. Yeah. it's good. Right. What's it called? Wraith Wars.
2: Fuck, I think it was. I can't remember what it was. It may be Wraith Wars. Maybe it was. I can't remember, but like it's like real it. good. Yeah. Can we Google that? No, sorry. Yeah. There's a link in the show notes. Yeah.
3: I want to see
1: I mean, I've got to press you too. I'm sure so many people here have heard this story, but plenty haven't. Tell us about it, mate. Mark Matthews 21st at Could you Ran McKee Fuck. It's all
2: time.
1: It's, <laughs> all <that. laughs> this
2: is that so good. Mark, yeah. It was uh, Even Credo doesn't know. You don't know this story, do you I mean? Don't I don't know. What happened? Well in a nutshell, it was Mark Matthews twenty-first. He um it was in December, there's Christmas parties going on. His twenty-first is booked in at um Could You Ran Club in could Um just happened to be the same night as the uh, the local police had booked their Christmas party on the level above us, <laughs> and um, unknown and yeah, so it was just an awesome party. Marky turned to me, we we're all celebrating, just you know, um, running at mark having a ball. Really had no idea what was going on, on the level above. There was a, you know all the cops were celebrating at the end of the year and whatnot, and and uh, until the end of the night, where everyone has to file in this little corridor and get the lift down, and and uh, <laughs> so it was just just full bottleneck and. You know we're fucking full of it, having a laugh, just loving life Um, and we're trying to fight into getting these lifts and I just as a young um, wayward easily influenced child I, I was. I was in the lobby and a bunch of my mates were at the front of the lift, said, "Vas, come in, come in, no, let's jump in, and I was there with my girlfriend and my, you know, my wife at the time, and she's like, don't do that's too packed, I was like, no, no, I'll jump in, I'll jump in, so they waved me in, behind them was a bunch of off-duty cops who were just, you know, they were full of piss, they were finishing their Christmas party, so I just took the biggest run up and just swan-dived this, this, <laughs> this crowded lift, and uh, thought it was the funniest thing ever, and just my mates were laughing, but the people behind me, they weren't too happy, and they blew up, and the lift started going down, and you know, talk about a, a fight in a bloody phone booth. It just it kicked <laughs> off, and and it opened up to the level downstairs, like where everyone exits, which is chockers as well, because everyone's leaving the venue. And um, it just kicked off, and before we knew it, it was just we didn't know that they were off-duty police officers, but they. No. Anyway, fight. It just kicked off, and there was by the end of it, <laughs> there was helicopters and shit ch- chasers down the road, and people oh, get arrested. And then, like obviously, duty policemen all like paddy wagons Wagasard pulling up ran. it was just it was a melee you know, you were jumping over people to try and get out of stuff and people just trying to like rag go downstairs and it, it was pretty wild because at the time like there was a little bit of reputation down the beach. Like we we didn't have the best relationship with the local police. No, I that's guess fair you could to say. say. Yeah. So like once it all jerried and, and I kicked off, it, it got a little maybe a little a little you know a little spicy and and um yeah, I guess. It just, yeah, and then that stemmed on to like all kinds of crazy shit down the beach. In the, in, the, in, the, in the months following, you know, it was like, mate, riot squads and stuff. You couldn't go down for swimming your boardies without getting, you know, yeah. right
1: and the, wrangled. The legal, the like legal ramifications of that, you know, like, what, you know, when you're getting ch- assault charges and affray charges and you're in the court system, like, it's fucking not cheap, mate. Like, crew, uh, it costs crew uh, and, houses uh, and all kinds of shit, huh? At that age,
2: too, you know. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah. suit. Yeah, suit itself, is it?
1: Those wigs, mate. Those that, wigs are. Fully Even if you buy from
2: CUDA, they still set you back a couple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what it was. It was there was, was, was a whole heap of charge laid out to the boys. Um, you know, all of that age, you know, 18 or 21, where you you, know, you you don't have a you know two cents to rub together, and now it it cost them like you know the deposits on their house or whatever you know they're working hard to get. Or and um, you know, at the end of the day, all the charges were thrown out because it, it nothing went, um, had any substance, but. Yeah, it was a pretty wild time, but the effects after it were, was pretty crazy because a lot of my mates got stuck into courts for, like, six to eight months, 12 months trying to fight these, you know, assaulting police officer of charges. They're pretty um, good at trumping
1: them up too, eh, hey, when they're, you know, when they're involved in that shit, the coppers. Yeah. Like, fuck, mate, I've heard a crew, like, being at protest, kicking over a bin and, you know, that's inciting a riot, like, and then you're in the courts for eight months cost you 150 grand like it's mind blowing. you don't want to go is. up against and, the cops and, in court and man. not only like, like the financial
2: costs Tips, but well like the, the stress of the family and they, like, like, yeah. losing an apprenticeship or whatever you know like it's a quite a ripple effect going on but yeah it was crazy you know, like, I've since worked with the, the local police doing things with the PCYC and doing like training things, stuff with kids it's like I don't hear not here to bag you know all that no nah, it's the way the do, system but, works but in that occasion yeah. it, it got sour you know what I mean and, mm. and it um they were clutching the straws and just trying to to um you know pin the blame on someone which didn't happen. It just cost the boys a lot of money to clear the names, basically. And man, I
1: know like uh you know after I don't know what age it was exactly you got into mixed martial arts, but um, you know, can you talk about that and, and the effect that had on you had on you and also, you know, you know, given like that brawl and, and what went down there, I just want to get your opinion on street violence and like how uh, you know, because it's such a fucking commonality uh, in this part of the world. It's it's a sad fact, you know. I think we're all caught up in it at different times. But, um, yeah, just give us your opinion on street violence and how mixed martial arts kind of, yeah just changed your life and, and helped you turn your life around, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, it, it was a blessing, absolutely. i um, I always one, been one who loved to train, stay fit, and, uh, from a kid doing cross-country, whatever it was, to boxing, like I was a fanatic about staying fit when, um, you know, he's just really started to push the big wave surfing when he was you know, in his early 20s and whatnot. So now, like I said, the monkey see, monkey do. I just wanted to train as well. And same with Mark. And, and just the, the vibe at Maruba, We all like to stay fit, whether the boys were doing it to play footy or or surf or whatever it was. And then um, now we got introduced to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, Bruno Pala and Alex Pratt moved to Australia and Maroubra And they were training up the Seals Club and I think the boys asked started asking questions about their funny years and they started talking about jiu-jitsu and, you know, what's that? It's a grappling art and blah, blah, blah. So I just started doing classes and I was hooked, you know, and, um... Do you, I,
5: do you, know, do you know, like, what year that was or, like, how old you were That would have
2: been probably, like, 2001. Yeah, yeah, 2002. Like, I was just out of high school and, um... Yeah, always loved boxing. Now, Ronnie Reedan, you know one of the bra boys from the beach, uh, a legend. He uh, was a phenomenal boxer, four for Australian title. Kurt Barham, again, one of the boys from the beach. You know, had a, an amazing professional boxing career. So it's, I was always, like, wanted... Loved boxing and training with him, going putting the pads, sparring in Kobe's backyard. You know, Kobe's an awesome little makeshift gym in his backyard yeah, in the day it. and all sorts of shit used to go down. And so I was always drawn to that, you know, that competitive kind of... Again, probably small man syndrome, kind of bubbling to the surface a little bit. But, um... I mean, when I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and it was like a week in the training, we started going in the Australian titles. Because like, that's what um, Bruno and Alex just really encouraged. I you know, learned and just compete. And regardless of the result, you get better for it, you know, like stepping on the mat. And and um, so I was just hooked, yeah. And then and then that was, uh, I guess, the gateway to, to mixed martial arts in general.
1: And talk to us just about the culture of, you know, gyms and, and how good they are and the discipline. You know, obviously you get taught all these, you know, mortal fighting skills, but there's a lot of guidance and tutelage that comes with it, and a lot of responsibility not to just go out in the streets and give cunts tidings
2: Yeah, like, and that's you know, back to your question too at the start about you know, street violence and stuff, it's uh, I guess it's such a misconception about what it is to be a young bloke and prove you've been a man, and I was, I was such a victim of this growing up was like, to show you, you know, I'm, I'm grown into a man, So what I do, you go out and you have knuckles and you have a fight and you get full of piss and you, you know, do that kind of shit, and it was introduction of martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that kind of like discipline and respect, and and learning technique and and how it's meant to be performed, and if you want to challenge yourself and prove yourself, you do it in the right environment, and all that kind of stuff was um, a real life changer for me, you know, because I, I was so drawn to that, and and realise that that's where it is, that's the environment, the, the arena it is to prove yourself, not you know down the pub after twelve schooners in front of a mate, you know, piss so. week that shit,
1: eh? Ultimately, like
2: well, that plastic it gangster and, 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 fucking it's just a, it's a scourge on society,
4: I reckon. It is, ultimately. and it's.
2: Um, like I said, it is. And it's such, a, it's such an easy trap to fall into as a young fella, to, like, think this is how I'm going to impress my mates or, like, you know, I'm not a boy anymore. This And it, to have a go outside and have a knuckle when you your skin full of piss. But, um, yeah, I, I totally encourage you. If that's what you want to do, go to a boxing gym, go to a jiu-jitsu academy, you know, whatever it is. And, and that's that's where you learn it and you can perform it and you can get the medals and you can get, you know, don't worry about the charges and the rap. Just go and get put on the podium, you know, and get accelerated not do it the wrong way and, you know affects someone else's life or your own life or whatever it may be it's um, uh, it, it, it runs deep I think in Australian culture too getting full of piss and doing stupid shit but um, definitely it's um, yeah it, it's it's something that needs to be changed and like big shout out to Danny Green and do what he's doing yeah that, man you know, fucking that, you know, one here, yeah. cow punch movement because um, yeah and I, I don't, I'm not here to preach at all but I've def- I, I was I was that you know grub you know yeah, getting man. pissed and doing dumb likewise, shit likewise yeah. Um, yeah but yeah Thank God to mixed martial arts that, that show me if you, you know if you want to enjoy doing that stuff, here's how you do it.
1: Yeah, because like I mean, ultimately it's it's so much tougher. Eh? Once you're in an octagon, once you're in the ring, like that's where the, the real fucking that's where the real tough the hard cunts hang out. Like it's in the ring man. Ultimately,
2: right? Well, that's it. That's that was the confronting part about my first fight. It was like this bloke's been training for months to cave my head in. You know what I mean? It's like you have just bumped into the pub and he's put your drink. It's you know, he's, like, <laughs> he's been training flat out. Like, just like I, that's, well, that, that was my motivation to train hard and stay off the piss and do all the little things right. Because you know, and you're looking across the cage, <laughs> you know, the door's closed, there's nothing but you and a ref and some other bloke, and you know he's been putting the hard work, so it is, like it's, it can be confronting, but then you get the result, it's very rewarding as well.
1: Man, as well, like, the UFC, like, you, it's not like you were a part-timer, like, you fought at the fucking highest level, you were in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and you had big wins in that arena, um, yeah, man, just talk to us about that experience. And what was your record ultimately? Uh, like, what was it, 10 wins, 5 losses, something like that?
2: Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was 10, fin- 10 wins, 5 losses officially. But I had a couple cool. fights inside the UFC house, the Ultimate Fighter house. And then I also fought in some, um, like, Modified Rules promotions here in Australia right. where, yeah, but which didn't go my record. But it was... Um, what was the biggest yeah, fight well, you had? Like, uh, yeah. Oh, look, to, to fight through the house and fight to... to in the semi-final against the freak show, who was um, a funny fella from the UK, was was a great experience. And then to go and fight inside the UFC and get my hand raised inside the octagon was a special moment. But some of my fondest memories was fighting at Shark Park down in Cronulla, you know, and and uh, in front of a local crowd and against uh, a guy called Nick Honstein, who was a, a pretty loud-mouth American fella who had been talking a lot of shit in the lead-up. To, <laughs> and to, to uh, you know, to, to get the win over you know, in that environment, you know, we we're just your, your friends and family, and it was a it was a small but packed arena. It was uh, it was, was amazing to win Johnny Schmooker's um, promotion he was running at the time called PWP. They put up a band and weight title and to win the bannerweight title in that promotion, you know, um, you know a friend of, who, you know, of all of us on the panel to promote that uh, the, the sport and do so well was, it was a pretty special moment as well.
5: So did you start with BJJ and then you went into boxing through MMA?
2: Yeah, I actually started in boxing. Just oh, you started in boxing? Because, like, you know, training as a kid, we could you know, just pick up a pair of gloves and yeah, we could do yeah. pads and, and have a bit of fun, like I said, in Kobe's backyard. And we had older guys from the beach who were boxers. They could always show us the ropes. So it was boxing that I was drawn to initially, um, but like I said, I loved playing footy as a kid, and I loved tackling more than running with the ball, you know, I was just one of those kids who just loved to wrestle, and <laughs> whenever, you know, it was, it was a family Christmas lunch, I was always wrestling with the Rellos and whatever, so when I was just Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it was just like a duck to water, like I loved it, I loved the technique side of it, um, and then because I enjoyed boxing prior to that so much, I thought, oh, like, you know, I like to think I can throw a few punches, now I, I'm enjoying this grappling business. Why not try this MMA thing um, again? And I guess I probably spoke more sooner than I thought. Yeah, you know? like I was I was a victim of putting my hand up before I really thought the thing through a lot.
5: So when but, you when you were in the ring, were you like more confident on, on the ground or stand
2: up? On the ground, definitely. Oh, at really? the time, I was training a lot more Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and I was competing in like um, the New South Wales Federation tournaments, and Australian titles, and stuff, and having a bit of success there. So that's what I was doing at the time. That's where, and it was relatively new in hey, Australia. What's scarier, getting in the octagon or, or being you
0: right there?
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, I made that. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. no. Mate, this day is dead set etched. Yeah. I mean, everyone who watched this comp cannot believe what you guys were attempting to do. Well, the best thing, thing about Hall
2: this is, like, I only not know what's going on right here. I have no idea that's behind me. You know, like, I had no idea, so... Um, I would have seen a little eastern lobster, in <laughs> the crack. I thought I'd a die and ever go, but yeah, that was such a wild day. That, that you know, Cape Slander hours, whatever you want to call it these days, Cape Fear. It, it was breaking, unlike I'd ever seen it before. Much like the swell you, you spoke about earlier at the Pebble. This is one of those swells that just lit up the coast, and and uh, was a phenomenal event, phenomenal you know day to be a part of. And but, uh, but that's that is.
1: Yeah, what the fuck happened to you man? <laughs> it's like what? fucking
2: ridiculous, mate. Like what, what did that
1: feel like? <laughs> Look
4: you have a gap up. Up. Is there gaff yeah. in there? Like, like there, I, was, there, I there's no gaff. gaff.
2: I wish
0: I had it. Has uh, anyone been in a worse position on a wave? That yeah. is ridiculous. That's the wildest that...
1: wipeout of all time. It has to be, right? Yeah. There's nothing trumps that. That's fucked up. Are you kidding me? Is
5: that the yeah. one that
2: Russ me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What? It didn't it didn't feel like it looked at the time. It felt bad. I got I got ragged old and I got the snot fucking pushed out of me, but... um... (laughs) Pushed out of fuck? You're like a chocolate eclair, man. I'm just... (laughs) But when I, like, came back in and someone showed me that, I was like, fuck, really? I thought that was a six-footer. Because I was just like, it was so hard to make waves that day. And it was so hard to read because you're like... You, there was like 15 footers breaking and you, my whole gauge was out of whack, you know? And I had like, hit, Ryan Hitwood and Mark Matthews, turning in the waves and I was like, fuck, just give them a nice one. Let me make one, I want to try and get through the heat. So this was one of the smaller ones I thought, let's just make an easy one, you know? Let's just get a, a score on the board. <laughs> <laughs> and get uh, the feed the Build the house. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Matthews was getting me back for something I'd done in year six or something but he whipped me into that one and um, there we
4: are.
2: <laughs> I got
1: to ask you though Rich like you know before this show we were looking back through your career man and like as far as a kind of blue collar like south side Surfing legend goes, man. You are fucking top of the pops. Like right? you packed the craziest cones. You fought at the highest level. I've got to know, like, you know, does it ever irritate you to know that these <laughs> kind of pretty boy, air reverse, cheese whiz generation are living large while poor old Richie Vass is bent over ripping up piss and shit stained carpet in some asbestos riddled commission
2: flat and chiefly for a living? Like, does it bother you, mate? Mate, I am. Uh, I get me kicks out of the fucking piss stained carpet, mate. Man, the money! Come on, mate. I think, mate, lies what you make of it. Hats off to all the boys. Anyone out there having a go and having success with what they're doing? Like you, just play the cards all what they're doing in front of you. you know? And I'm, I feel very grateful to have been surrounded by friends and people I have been, and was lucky to be in an event like this, and lucky enough to be introduced to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which made my way into MMA and fighting. I think anyone who's living, just give it whatever you got in front of you, give it a crack if that's what you want to do. So I'm not going to take yeah. back someone for making the, the most give of the opportunity that's been put in front of them. You know, just make the most of whatever comes your way, and that's what's coming their way. Hats off to them, you know? I, I love it all. Doing. Like, I don't care that I've got to lay carpet. I love laying carpet. To be honest, like... I know it sounds but all the all the all, like the Rubbers got such a strong carpal community. I don't think I can do anything else. They would not let me. You know, it's like the mafia. <laughs> if you can't, you can't leave. Once you pick up that kick in the bolster, you're in. <laughs> and uh, it's good. It's allowed me to do a lot of things. But man, I'll now hopefully get waves tomorrow at Vui Maybe this south kicks up. But I'll mm. enjoy doing what you're doing and make the most of the opportunities to lay in front of you. Yeah, I don't look at no have hate towards anyone. Oh man, you gotta
1: every now and then you must fantasise about scaling one of those ivory towers and you know going in through you, the window. When I, and, when I
2: don't get the quote on the job, and some other prick's got it. I mean, fuck, who's quoted? Who's quoted lower than me here on this, car, <laughs> on the, on this carpet job?
1: <laughs> I mean, your, your last sponsor was Rook, You Surely you've fantasised about going up, you know, one of them buildings and just putting nudes in a rear naked choke until the fucking gold coins start spilling out his asshole. Like. <laughs> nudes can throw him, mate. Wow, well, no, yeah, no. the noodle just slinging him like a. Uh, one of them slingshots or whatever. Minguini arms. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, fuck, man. That was mental. That was uh, a really wild chat with one of the all-time Southside core lords, man. I've got to say, like, growing up uh, in Bondi, man, like, the guys at Maroubra, like yourself, Kobe, uh, Evan Fawkes, Mark Matthews, you know, and even the footy players, Randy Matua, Sato, uh, even Damon Tulliovio, like yeah. early, early kind of underground guys like that were a fucking massive inspiration to me. And uh, man, it's an honour to have you here. You're fucking hell. Fucking Thanks
2: for having us, lads. a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Fucking legend. Righto, it's time. Our next guest. Gee whiz, where do you even start? One of the smoothest, most stylish, top ten most powerful surfers in the entire world. Grew up, born and bred here. In Bondi, he's moved over to the beaches. But let's get him up here. He's the OG Bondi lord. Scum Valley's
1: finest himself. Here we go, Richard Cram, folks.
0: Dead said mate. Like it's still talked about as one of the most important sections of any film. Just pure power, absolute flow. What do you remember of those times of, of those sessions in Hawaii?
6: Well, they were good days, of course. Uh, back in the early '80s, <laughs> bit nervous. I mean, mate,
4: mate. the swellings
1: the love
4: you, mate. You're in. A, you're in <laughs> <laughs> <a, not> early. <quite gasps> The Australians
0: are on your side, mate. You have got nothing to worry about. You can yeah. just sit up here farting into the mic. They'll love every second of it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> no, it were good days, mate. They're good days. Um, Hawaii back in the day was like a bit of the Wild West, and uh, you know, type of there's there's no rules type of uh, on the north uh, north shore there. Uh, the black shorts ruled. Um, you know, just getting a few to yourself was was the mission. Yeah, no, it's good days, mate, it's good days and um, yeah, it was top of... Uh,
0: but did you know that when that surfing was going on, just how much it was going to mean to people? Like, did those sessions feel extra special? Like, were these days where the performance section went down, sessions that in your mind where you were coming in and going, fuck, that felt good?
6: Yeah, you didn't think about it too much. You didn't think about the impact. Where the impact of this performance was actually really um, was back, because this was like the first video right it was all film before that and this was the first video where people could take it home and, and and play it back and forth now of course i just dated myself pretty much there, first video eh <laughs> you that's look, okay that's you the way it is than me, mate <laughs> yeah so um yeah as type of so people played it back and forth and of course uh you know we showed some uh, there's some it was some good surfing as i suppose it's type of semi relevant even today and it was you know heading towards 40 35 years ago um, and uh, so it had a, a, a big impact um, on uh, a whole generation of surfers because they just got to play it time and time again, and they analyse it, and um, slow-mo it and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite amazing. And it, um, you know, top of you know, pretty much made my career in surfing. and made let people know around the world know of who I was and you know what how I could surf.
1: And not just your career, I mean, like, at that point in time, the South Side was kind of going through a, a bit of a, I don't know, a golden age, like there was yourself, uh, Shane Haran, Larry Blair from Maroubra, uh, and you guys were, you know, the North Shore's kind of where you all made your name. You know, why do you reckon your you surfing translated so well to over here? Because you pretty much grew up surfing fucking so, piddly Ridgebolt, rib bowls out the front. At,
6: at one point in time in the top sixteen in the world, I think there's like five South Side guys. That's so psycho. Steve Wilson... Larry Blair, Shane Horan, myself, Greg Day, you know what I mean? Like, and there could have been, Mark Scott was up there giving it a, giving it a swing. Goobs. And uh, so, yeah, no, was, I don't know why that happened, actually. Actually, I, I do know, though, Bondi was, had a really powerful surf presence, okay? There was some, some of the best surfers in Australia were from Bondi. Um, Give some maybe, names, Kram. Okay, so there's like, there's Ron Ford. Yeah, he was Ron like th- he was like three times New South Wales champion, which doesn't seem so much today. But back in the day, the, the there was only amateur surfing, and New South Wales was like, and New South Wales and Queensland were the you know the two dominant states. And uh, this Ron Ford guy was three times New South Wales champion. He's a lot Bondi local, and so I grew up surfing, uh, watching that. And he he used to smack it. You could hear him surf. You like there'd be cracks. He'd, he'd hit it and. Bang, it'd be a crack. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. There's, um, uh, there's guys like um, Cole Sutherland. Um, you know, he was possibly at one point in time the, one of the best goofy footers in the world. Like, and so this is just what I grew up with. Um, and, and then, of course, there's Shane. You know, like Shane was from Bronte. And uh, I was from... Kimmy, I didn't know that. I know, that's how heavy. bullshit is that? Fuck! Eh? Oh, that's demoralising. Mate, back in the day, back in the day, that was a long way away.
1: Oh, man, yeah, yeah man, seriously, yeah. it still is. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking... I'm voting
6: to build a wall between the two giants, yeah. man. Build a wall.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, so, um, no, it's, it's a really great place to surf. There's a, um, uh, a club called Panache which was a super heavy, um, competitive club. And we just type of grew up with that and there's there's a lot of good surfing around and that's just what you drew from. And uh, so, and that happened on the whole Southern beaches. And, uh, you know, we just took that. And at the time, I think the States was a little bit behind and uh, surfing was only developing in a few parts of the world, you know. Um, So we dominated. Particularly, I suppose Shane and Larry Blair. You know, I think uh, uh, all credits. I think Larry Blair is one of the most underrated surfers in Australian history. Two-time pipe master. It's two-time pipe master who won that's the Coke un- co- Classic. You know.
0: And then he was uh, he was an extra on Neighbours as well for his, for a short. Yeah, he was a classic. He was
6: Kidding? a classic. Yeah.
0: True story. And then he was a greengrocer, and then he did a bunch of other shit as well. Like, fucking <laughs> <Wow>. honestly. <laughs> He's
2: a crazy he, character. He was
1: on the vanguard of plant-based fungus and all that. What a madman!
2: But Crammy <laughs> still a wave a I Larry's lefts. Really? Yeah, Larry's lefts. He's the only like, a... one who
0: surfed. It. No way. Yeah. yeah, right. What about like what was Bondi like when you were a kid? What, what What was the scene like? What was the town like? And what was the beach like?
6: Okay, like so, Bondi physically doesn't seem to have changed that much. But uh, of course, the attitude um, seems to type of like you know. Um, it's got a bit softer, a bit, you know, more um, type of, you know, it's groovy. And it wasn't groovy back in the day. It was, you know, you almost type of semi-embarrassed because it's just like, it was Scum Valley. It was working class, you know? And uh, it was, right, you've got to think back in the day too, of course, there's, there's no mobiles, right? Um, so all the communication was at the beach. So if you, if you really didn't get down to the beach, you weren't communicating with your friends. Um, and so there's definite there's definite groups there's the hill crew, there's the first ramp crew second ramp crew, third ramp crew and there wasn't that much interaction between the different crews you know, you had your your own type of groups there localism within localism localism for sure Um, and you know Maruba is just the badlands you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah if Um, we were Scum Valley what the fuck was that? oh mate (laughs) Just dangerous. <laughs> it was hell.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> no, but it was good. The good days are, as is, is type of simple days. Um, Real a lot of focus on surfing because it, there wasn't too many other things to do. You just surfed, mm. and so uh, all your mates surfed, and um, it was. It was It was great. It was a great day. I enjoyed it. Man, you you spoke about uh, Panache before, but I want to also
1: pick your brain about another iconic Bondi boardwriters club, ITN. Can you tell us what ITN stood for uh, and your your, your most uh, graphic ITN memory? Okay. Because we saw a bit of it, I guess, uh, on show earlier. That was a a homage to the the golden era of uh, ITN writers. That
6: that was more Maroubra, mate. Ah, well, I spend the was, more than Maroubra. Oh, is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. i stand corrected, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've transgressed culturally there. <laughs> <laughs>
5: wait, 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 is there
6: a beef between like Bondi and Maroubra? Uh, I, I don't, don't think know. so. You know, no, well, there was always this kind Oh, there was back in the day. Oh, there was. Back yeah. in the day in the early 70s, there was a beef between all beaches. That's what I was about to right. say. I think yeah, there was anyone
2: over the headland was the enemy. For sure. Yeah, it would be Brony, right. Bondi, whatever.
6: And yeah, and like the whole localism thing back in the day was way more aggressive than it is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like.
2: I think it was always a fun mutual respect because you went to school with the same guys, but in my generation, it was like, yeah, Brony, Bondi they were there because they are the next nook and cranny this is our patch that's their patch for sure partying or surfing playing footy you know could you wombat's playing someone else it was always you know cheering for your little team, you know, and uh, I think it's great. I think localism is something that's phasing out, but I think it's a, it's a real about. treasure to it as well, you know, like obviously it can be taken an ugly way, but I think it is a real uh, you know, a real positive to it as well, to be proud well, just, of where it's you're just from. It's just
6: aggressive back in the day, wasn't it? Well, it's just, it's it, actually fighting, the, you know, it's the, the,
2: uncool. Uh, it was off Twitter a little bit, you know, the aggression and whatnot, but I think yeah, being proud of where you're from and having a friendly rivalry with the, the blokes on the other side of the headland is a great thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you're just not copping fucking
1: dog shots at the Coogee Bay because uh, that used to go down quite a bit too. Fucking rubbish, I'm glad you got your,
2: head, your fucking gaff on, mate. You're sweet. Uh,
1: oh, <laughs> I need a mouth guard, too. I need a fucking softball helmet, man.
6: But, uh, yeah, ITN, man. What was all that about? Okay, so ITN stands for In The Noob. And uh, that's obviously that's the type of says it all. You know, there's a the few boys type of like to surf without any clothing on. Um, but... Uh, they were quite successful too, right? They were quite successful. of the, the, the Australian champions one year.
4: 1986
6: won club... Australian Surf League champions yeah. in the nude board riders. Wait,
5: yeah. Wait, so the... Wait, wait, wait. So wait, the whole... The, the, every comp,
6: they surf naked? No, no, they didn't. There's just a couple of couple Oh, of just crew. a couple crew. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. yeah. They grabbed it and we ran with it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, that' good though. It's actually a um, uh, really competitive group of surfers. What were
1: some of the classic ITN gags? The uh, I know Spot Anderson was good for a, a bit of wrist, uh, a bit of electrical tape over the schlong. That was kind of his classic, uh, classical gag. Yes,
6: you know, it's, can't remember, bro. <laughs> <laughs> can't remember. You probably repressed it, Grammy. Yeah. Um, what, what, what about uh, the Webers?
5: Got any good Webber stories?
1: Oh, because <laughs> oh, I love, I am good friends with Will. He's a good
6: friend of mine. Yeah. I idolise him. Yeah. okay, <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the Weber oh, family. Crack. The Weber family was uh, a group of like five boys, and um, a really creative family. In fact, at Bondi, there's um, a uh, bronze of a, um, uh, a, uh, a lifeguard right on the beach, right near the, uh, the promenade, and that's uh, Mrs. Weber did that. Oh, the, yeah, the Weber's boys' Shopping mum. Mom. Yeah. 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 Um, but really creative, really uh, intelligent uh, family, but um, uh, really crazy. A little bit kooky. Yeah. Good, good people, bro. Great. Really good people. <laughs> yeah. And then,
1: like we uh, we touched on it before, but you you made your name in Hawaii, basically classical power surfing. You know the the back, fucking one of the all time greatest surfing it. maneuvers. It's in all fucking its glory. ridiculous. Are you this
0: kidding turn? me, mate? I don't even know where to start on a turn like this. Like, the amount of rail in the water, the fucking spray coming off, like, credo. Is that as good as surfing gets?
5: Yeah, it's the best. It's crazy how much um, Bo's house like you, eh? Yeah. It's cool. cool oh,
6: Shout-out to my sons, Baden yeah. and Bo. Baden and Bo. My brother, Davis. Round. And Dill, And my beautiful wife of 42 years right there. Thank you very much, gorgeous. Mantle. Who I, who I met at the GNS surf Shop down on the beach. <laughs> cool.
1: But yeah, talk us through the, cr- the cram back, man.
6: Like, how did it develop? And uh, yeah, what are you thinking, like, you know, as you fucking okay. lay something like that down? So, what board's that, by the way? Okay, that's a, that's a Greg Clough Aloha. Now, see, this would have been the transition of um, singles into thrusters. You notice the back fins, a, a large fin. It's like we hadn't really quite of, this is literally the first season of um, thrusters in Hawaii, and we didn't really believe on in thrusters yet, so we thought this was a halfway sitting on the fence type of board, so the, la- the last, the back fin was a, almost a regular single fin, um, but... Okay, so my influ- one of the influences of my surfing is a guy named Steve Corrigan. Um, yeah, Hellman, man, yeah, Steve okay. Ann Corrigan. Steve and Ann Corrigan.
1: Bondi legends, yeah. Yeah. Exactly,
6: and Steve used to just lay down just the heaviest tracks, low centre of gravity, out, reel it around, twin fins, old McCoy twin fins back in the day. And I used to look at him, of course, as an older surfer, but he would have only been 19 or something. He's only a kid, right? But when you, from a 15-year-old, 14-year-old's perspective, that's, that's the older guys'. And uh, he used to just lay it down full rail all the way around, and so once again, that's just if that's what you, that's, if that's what you're growing up with, then that's just what you think it, what you do, you know, and uh, so this is, um, you know, that's where that all come from, you know, but the main thing about type of carving surfing is you just got to have a speed, you know, you got a type of, uh, uh, of, I of almost remember that wave. Because I remember getting shot out of a barrel. And you know sometimes you get shot out of a barrel, you've got like extra speed, yeah. right? And I've come out and I've seen that lump there and I've just wheeled it off the lump.
1: Mantle. Yeah.
2: That's not like yeah. the baseline, well, I reckon. Oh, that's... How do you, Of good service. That's a yeah, backdoor. Like oh, High-speed turns is pretty much the baseline of... Where judge good surfing? Already, yeah, mate. fucking hell. Surfers no. getting so creative and wild, which is awesome these days. I think just like a baseline is like... Just a big and hack with speed is like... There's not a wow. lot. I mean,
1: back to Hawaii, man. Like, you touched on it before. It was the Wild West in those days, the early 80s. Uh, you talked to us about just how wild it was, man. I mean, from my second-hand kind of information, I understand it was like fucking proper gangster over there. You know, you had proper gangsters running commercial quantities of drugs and uh, it was a heavy zone. Like, you had to keep your nose clean, so to speak. But, uh, like, yeah, can you talk to us just about how wild it was? You know, there's certain waves that were totally off-limits, like you couldn't even surf. And, uh, yeah. You know
6: so, Yeah. Okay, so there's, uh, like, Velsyland yeah. was off-limits. Um, backdoor, sun, uh, sorry, Backyard Sunset was off-limits. Um, and there's just, like, there's just a vibe permeated on the North Shore that, um, you know, especially if you're top of Howley, you know, you come in, uh, you just... You had, to, you had to play your cards right. Uh, you, you didn't want to... You just didn't want to upset them, you know what I mean? It was lawless. It was lawless. Shit could go down out there and they'd just get away with it. You know, the black shorts, um, the hooey. Uh, they just... They're, they're aggressive, and but they're more intimidating, you know what I mean? And, you know, coming from the Sydney south side and stuff... You, I was pretty easily intimidated. wasn't did, that hard. Did you have run-ins? Did you? Have,
0: did you actually have run-ins yeah, with those you guys? You know Colors, what? Colors?
6: I, I didn't. I type of slipstreamed. streamed okay? This is because I was sponsored by Quicksilver, and Quicksilver sp- sponsored the Hui, mm. right? So I was type of like got on the inside edge. Also, too, I travelled my wife, Lisa, and we just surfed. I went surfing with just her and I. So where you come unstuck is when you went to a, like a car with six guys. You know what I mean? You rock up to one place, and you all hit it all at once, um, but, you know, it's top of uh, – there's some guys um, that were just super aggressive in the water. And one of the things, of course, one of the, the, the bummers of it was, well, is you'd be surfing backdoor pipe and, you know, it'd be perfect and you just wouldn't get any. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because – rattling. You know, Dane Kilo would paddle out and you would get the first set and you get the second set and you get the third <laughs> set and you get the fourth set. And it, it's like backdoors, like obvious which one's going to be epic. Yeah. And the ones that aren't, aren't epic mm-hmm. are going to hurt you. And um, so, you know, it's like really obvious. It comes in, a, uh, comes in a, uh, like an A frame yeah. and you just see it go bang, that's the one. Yeah, that's the wave of a lifetime. Yeah. And um, you watch him. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, you're yeah, watching you get Dane a few.
0: Kilo I'll surf it instead of you. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. you know
6: exactly. And then there's Dane, and then there's Croup after that. But you know, still having said that, you just type of put in the hours there, and you, you snag a few. Some would go a few bit wide, yeah. going to um, off the wall. You know.
5: Yeah. Did no, you go, Did you
6: surf off the wall back then,
5: or was yeah. that not a, a zone? Because didn't like. Um Sean, was Sean Thompson. Sean Thompson wasn't he the, surf guy, the first guy to surf kind of
6: backdoor or backdoor's is just you know as you know backdoor's just that. I mean not uh, backdoor, off, off the wall, sorry. Off, sorry, off the wall the just wall. the end of backdoor, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like the next section. Yeah. yeah. So um, now off the walls, yeah, it was on. People were surfing yeah. off the wall then. Yeah. 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 People were surfing off the wall.
5: Yeah. Uh, were you like? Did you ever look up to Sean Thompson at all? Like the way he rode the barrel back then? Because I don't know because I'm. A fucking Different generation kid. by
6: a couple, eh, hey, mate? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> a little kid. I don't know, but
5: like, I, I just know like, he's like the oldest footage I've seen of someone actually weaving through a tube, you know, and like actually yeah. pumping yeah, through deep,
4: sections get and deep getting and deep. And, and
6: was he great. was, he was a, he was a genius surfer. Yeah. And he was good in the tube. Yeah. Yeah. He, he understood the tube. He read the tube. He'd surf all day. Um. Uh. He said once that he felt a J-Bay, he, he affected the wave. Mm. You know what I mean? He actually felt...
4: He Bent said it this in an interview,
6: that he felt that when he was in the tube, he would actually affect the wave um, at, a, at a deep level. Wow, that's that some fucking the wave, mind-blowing narcissism, um, hey? It's like... No, uh, no! This guy no. thinks he's fucking Yuri Geller. Are you kidding me? No, what was that guy's name? Did you reckon you could yeah, bend spoons too? That's
1: mental. And good for a bit, the Saffers, though. <laughs> at the box of
5: last
6: comp.
5: Oh, Jack Robinson
6: beat Felipe to the leader. OK, so... No, I I, th- I think we've all sensed that. I think that people do that, OK? But an example recently is that Jack Some Robinson at the affected box...
2: Me. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely weren't bending no, that once, you will. I'm pretty sure I was ways. bending you,
6: Rich. Yes. No, I think oh, I way. get Jack, Jack Robinson at the box against the Felipe. Yeah. OK, so I watched that heat, and before... Um, uh, before that heat, it was looking like it was closing out, it's was looking like it was a bit etched, okay? Yeah, guess, yeah. And Jack Robertson paddled out, and he got like two or three complete bombs, okay? And it, then it didn't happen after that heat. So I just wondered, like, how much was he in sync with it, and he was so comfortable with the place that he actually affected the way the, the wave was breaking, Okay, and so I know this is a little bit like, oh, well, that's that's weird. Weird. Oh, it's a oh, bit woo-woo, oh, oh, but I'm in it.
5: That that exists, I swear <laughs> to God, that exists. <laughs> it works. <laughs>
6: <laughs> no, 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 okay, cake so, Get the cones out. No, for, for, further example, for, further example. Tom Curran in a heat. Tom would paddle out, and it'd be shit, right? And he'd paddle out, and these waves would come to him. Okay, because he's just so in the zone. Yeah. Kelly did that too. Mm-hmm. Gavin he's so, he's so He's so into yeah. it and he's so but in the he, zone yeah, that yeah. he just paddles yeah. into it and he'll just, he'll, he'll go over there and there's nothing there yeah. and a wave will come. He did that in the final against Mick. What the fuck, hey. Okay? And so I think there's a certain point where that um, surfers that are the type of really in tune and everybody's experienced it to a different level where it's actually just, it's like it's, it's just on fire and it's just working. Yeah. And you can't extend it wide, but it can't, it can't help but think that you're actually having an effect on it. It's true. I
1: have that kind of relationship with the left rift bowl in the corner out here,
6: actually. <laughs> I just kind of bend it to my wheel.
0: I just see it
1: coming.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think I've seen Bowie do that at LA as well. Yeah, I've, I've having seen having Bowie shocking, do that a few times too. Shock and surfs out there and he paddles out and gets caned off his dial. But, mate, um, you know, talking about these guys, these sort of, you know, these... They're larger than life in, in the way that we view the history of surfing. The Sean's, the Shane's, the MRs. Who was – you were on tour, you were a top ten surfer. Who was the nightmare? Who was your Gabby? Who was the guy that you were just paddling out going, oh, not this fucking prick?
6: <laughs> who, who was like – did anyone get under your skin or how did you approach heats? Okay, so um, I was type of like – as a competitor – I was more of an emotional competitor. I needed to really want to type of beat a person rather than win a heat. I love this. Who, who do you hate? Yeah, well, so, so first <laughs> up, it, was, it had to be Shane. It had to, it had to be Shane, of course, because, you know, he's from a local beach. And uh, I probably, um, you know, had some of my best heats against Shane. What was his vibe like in a heat? Because,
0: like, you know, sometimes when we talk to guys about Shane and MR in particular it's hard to articulate what their mood was like in the water and what they'd do to you. Like, would they communicate? Would they make eye contact? What no, were they
6: like? No, Shane wouldn't communicate, and neither did Emma. Um, uh, Shane was an Shane was incredible competitor, uh, and uh, he, had his, he had his little type of um, twists, his things he liked to do, right? He liked to paddle out without his hair wet, for starters. OK, he liked to go out dry, yeah. like, he just and he'd yeah. just come out and he wouldn't surf for a long time beforehand. He'd paddle out um, with his hair dry. He had his own trip, Shane, right from the word go, mate, his type oh, of Oh, he was on a trip, all right. Uh, no, he was on uh, a trip. Were, were you ever like, oi,
5: like, maybe back off the trip and you maybe do better, kind of Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, because I'm, I'm no offence to him. I think he's an amazing surfer and I have a lot of respect for him and his designs and stuff, but... When you watch his documentary or that, that yeah, film that made Blue. about Talk him. Screaming Talk to us
1: about Screaming Blue. Give me a brief synopsis of it.
5: Well, it's basically like a documentary on Shane on where he's like, it's, he, it's like his whole year on tour and then he just loses. It's a nightmare, it's isn't a it? It's a nightmare and you're just like... <laughs> why would you make a movie of yeah, that? Yeah, it's like, but that's why it's <laughs> like so great in a way because yeah, you watch it and you're yeah. like... You're like, oh, it's going to be this crazy documentary on this guy winning, and he loses like miserably, and oh. you're like
6: and he's writing it's
5: kind of cool though in a way like
6: I don't know but it's a the great insight. I wonder what like other competitors yeah okay, would so have been at the thinking, time yeah at the time we're watching this happen yeah you know, like in in were real tripping? time, and he's just um he's he's had this uh he was influenced by this group of guys, and it's just a weird time um and he was he was looking to do something for himself, yeah. you know, in his own way and find his own path. And, you know, all kudos to him, Yeah. Totally. you know. Um, totally. And I, I think, okay, if Shane could have got one world title, he would have got four or five, yeah. Yeah. okay. He was a great surfer and he's, he was ahead of his time. Um, he's just, uh, he, he seemed to make it, you know, I know when I competed against him, he beat me a couple of times, I beat him a couple of times. Um, But I I felt that he gave me a head start. Okay, personally, like what you're saying there, he gave me a head start in as much as we're surfing um, burly heads, it's four foot, glassy, perfect right handers. And he paddles out with a board with a really long raked fin with a big ball on the bottom of it. (laughs) And I'm riding a thruster, you know what I mean? And I still only just beat him, you know what I mean? And it's just, the fact that he won bells on a keel fin, you know, you think about that. Like, in amongst the land of thrusters, it just shows you how much type of... Uh, belief he had and just doing what he does fuck and man
0: that's so cool especially in this day and age where you know everything's everything's homogenised and yeah. it's just
6: this is all it is yeah
0: let's get a big cheer in here for Shane eh? hey, um, Shane Horan we've yeah, actually, yeah.
1: We've, actually, uh, we've actually got a message from our supreme leader the original Urban Hesh and he was kind enough to uh, provide a message of support for all the Swellians uh,
6: having a great afternoon great night um asked to give you a message, my message would be to really take on good things that are going to help your life and try to cut away the chaff, all the stuff that's not good for you and to look after your mates, you know, keep an eye on everyone, we're getting older and there's a lot of self-depression out there and it's, I think it's important just to make sure your mates are okay and, uh, you know, we all go through ups and downs, that's just life, you know, and we've got to Learn to deal with it. So try to stay positive. Whenever anything gets any really down on you, then just go for a dip in the ocean. The ocean's always gonna heal a lot of problems. Yeah. Tonight we've got a to everyone. I hope you guys just had a fantastic. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Hi. that was good. That's awesome.
1: Shane, yeah, oh yeah, man, I've got to know, I've got to know, you hung it up at 24. I feel like it was, uh, it's a young age, right? You, you, that was, your, the, your time on tour ended around then. What, why? Oh,
6: uh, why, okay, so uh, back in the day, there was no money. And I had a wife, and I had a son, and you know what I mean, like, I had to make a buck. Um, and also too, like, push comes to shove, call it the way it is, there some guys better than me. You know I mean? Oki was coming on. Karen was coming on. Like, it, yeah, it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're bloody good. And there's only enough money for, like, five. There's five guys making, it, making it any type of living. So I just type of went, hung at home, went surfing and did my stuff. Can I just say that this photo, uh, boys, when was
0: this taken? Last year. This is crammy. last year. So... That's fucked up, man. That's a psycho big blue cone. He might have hung up the boots early, but he fucking didn't go anywhere. Man. Have a go of that. Give us a, give us a rundown of this what session, is, mate. Like just know. for
1: those listening on the podcast, we're looking at a 10 to 12 foot fucking just blue orb.
6: Uh, HTs? That's, yeah, that's HTs. Wow. Yeah. And. I, g- I can't believe the camera stopped after that cuz I got like an 8 second barrel right through there. <laughs> of course you did mate. Of course you did.
3: Fucking
4: good job.
0: No but mate, look, last night we uh, we were chatting with Mick Lowe. Yep. Mick Michael Lowe, the great, you know, South Coast champion. Uh, the keg on legs. The keg on legs. Three, three CT wins, number one in the world for the because he won the first comp. So everyone who wins the first comp gets to say that. But uh, we, we said to him, you know, like, where are you at with surfing? Are you surfing better than you've ever surfed? Are you loving surfing? And he said, no. No, I'm not. I'm nowhere near where I wish I could be and I, I wish I could surf more and when I do surf, I, I do kind of long for the days where I could really let it fly what about you? How, how are you feeling? I kind of feel like you've still got your best surfing ahead of you.
4: <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. Um, okay, so I'm at that age where I, I can. I'm comfortable with the fact that my best way of surfing is behind me. Bullshit. But, but having said that, <laughs> I have representatives out there who are doing the job for me. Thank Fuck you very no, much, boys. boys. Grammy no. Bo. boys. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is with surfing, what's really good about surfing is it um, it fits into different life stages and you, you appreciate it for what it is at that life stage. And, of course, you know, Otaba went from the thrashing grom at Bondi um, uh, through to the competitive stage with, the, you know, doing the um, the pro tour, which wasn't really much of a pro tour back in today. It's like a it classic. It yeah, good.
1: Talk, talk to us about how skin... People were, you know, like money was so tight. Were people skipping meals and shit? Like it was intermittent fasting. <laughs> intermittent fasting. Like I mean, how skin, Just give us an idea of how skint it was in those days, Ontoer. Oh, mate, it was just. Um, like were people getting it, stranded overseas at contests because they didn't make a couple of heats? You mate, know? It's, like,
6: like, it's like no, not so much that. As as like backpackers kind of just like cutting yeah, around, staying well, on couches and shit. Yeah, you just made it happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a, a bit like a type of chook raffle getting organised, type of organisation, you know what I mean? It's the type of you just made it up as you went. Um, you, go to, you go to, say, to Florida and there's supposed to be a comp there, but you get there and it has got cancelled, you know? The guy didn't have the money. You know, it's the type of uh, you go to Brazil, the same thing had happened. You get to Brazil, there's no comp because there's no money. I uh, know oh, where all the money was going. Yeah, fucking go. yeah, exactly. Flavio's
3: nose. You're off <laughs> my nose.
6: Exactly. Um, no, it's, it's, it's just different. It the good days. There are good days. Uh, it's just there wasn't much money in it, and um, and people were just making it up. And that's why you look back and what Shane was doing with his 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 own trip. Everybody's doing their own trip. You know, everybody's really quite individual. You know, um, shapers that time all had their own idiosyncrasies with their boards, and they all had specific things about their boards. Like F- um, Terry Fitzgerald's boards, you know, double fly swallow was his thing, and then another shaper would have another thing. You know, so it's just, um, uh, yeah, it's just a. Mate, is making it up as you go type of uh, experimental
1: period. times, avant garde. It was a proper next tail.
6: What, what do you think about underground surfboards
5: culture these days? Like when uh, compared to you know, you've seen surfboards since yeah. You know the, since Okay, the, what, so I, what I do think, you think of boards about these days? Like, do
6: you think they're? I think okay, so I think um, late eighties and through the nineties, it all got really type of. Um, uh, simple and straight and everybody had the same type of equipment. Uh, maybe at the, um, the pro end of the game, it's this type of fairly... Um, uh, there's surfing fairly close equipment. But surfing in general, uh, I think there's like... There's, lot, there's lots of experimentation going on. You know, personally, I think surfing's in a great place. You know, I, I love the fact that my, my sons ride all types of different boards. They're quite happy to go out with a, a fish 20. Back with a normal regular board. Back with a, um, a particularly with my son Bo, with a finless. Yeah, exactly. And and I like the fact that you know there's so many um, girls surfing. I think that's really good. That's uh, improved surf like just the, the vibe of surfing. So, um, yeah, I think uh, overall I just think it's in, in a, a great place. I think it's good to be a surfer in 2000. Fucking hell, it's good to be a surfer.
1: Good to be a Swellian. Are you kidding? <laughs> Up the fucking (laughs)
0: swellings Is it that time? I think it's that time Hey, what about a round of applause for our panel first of all (laughs) And now Don't go anywhere fellas Now it's time for you guys to chip in Now uh, we're going to throw it out to you guys Have we got the theme song all queued up? Bet we do Ask us a question We'll tell you no lie. So ask us a question. We'll tell you no lies. So ask us a question. Is brought to you by the uh, Metallica X Billabong collection. Ride the lightning. We got a five hundred dollar Metallica Billabong pack to give away to someone who asked the best question. These are the judges. So, uh, who wants to throw something at the boys? Crammy, Credo, and Vass. My name is Sebastian from Cronulla. Sebastian from Cronulla. Were you at the riots, Sebastian? Go
1: for it, bro. Where were you on January? <laughs> Playing back the
4: beach. Playing back the beach. no, 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 <laughs> oh, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: I'll take that as a comment.
4: <laughs>
0: <Man>. <laughs> you
4: got
0: a question there, mate? You want to... Uh... Um, any
2: truth to the rumor?
1: Wow. That's a, uh, that's a highly oh, libellious oh, claim. With his A gold cone piece, Sebastian. Car.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I have intel.
1: tell that there's a... And how do you know this, Sebastian? You, you haven't got
0: it now, have you, sir? Gave it to me. <laughs> Righto, oh, well, uh, I don't know if there's a Metallica pack coming over that way, but right. there's, there's but, definitely uh, a trip to the clinic coming. We'll give, yeah, we'll give you some
1: uh, cystosis or... Uh, we might have a little uh, dry, ice. <laughs> dry. dry ice pack. Who's got a, a question for
0: uh, Who's got a question for the panel down front? What's your name, mate?
3: Uh, Mark from Freshwater.
0: Mark from Freshie. Freshie. <laughs>
4: you.
1: Long drive over. I feel in a bad spot over this side. <laughs> this one's for Richie. Um, do you prefer getting coned out of your face or punching people in the face?
2: <laughs> nah, well said. one, <laughs> <please. Okay. laughs> Cheers, mate. Mate, um, can't beat again mate. Like, as a as, um, as a buzz as they both are, yeah, I still fall asleep at night, dreaming to be barreled more than, you know, jumping. Like, competing's unreal, and martial arts, is, it's, it's an amazing uh, lifestyle, and any form in which you want to practice it, whether it you know, be individual, like jiu or karate or kickboxing, but uh, you can't beat... Like you said, the boys been in the ocean and just... Um, get about. It. It's something special, you know, to when that wave comes your way and you, you're in the spot. So. I'm interested to know, Rich, have you been able to combine your passions? Uh, <laughs> clap, say. So. Um, break
1: and breakdancing? Uh, no, I meant, like, knocking someone out in the tube or something. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, Kira gets pretty crowded, so does the Dunny Bowl, for that matter, on a good that,
2: day. Uh, it doesn't bow that much at Marouba, so we're pretty sweet. That's true. Yeah. Here we go. What's your name, mate?
6: I know I just dropped a drink, but my question is, look. Hey, on, on. what's your name? Jake Eden. Hey, Jake. Hey, mate. Look, I'm from Av, and um, look, I've been listening to your podcast for a bit, but when you guys have run out of podcasts, I've listened to Beach Grit, and it's...
2: Pretty much a piece of shit,
6: and, like, I want to know... Beach what, sucks. It does, doesn't it? It's a piece of shit, and I want to know what you guys think of it, because it's a piece of shit I want to I wanna know. Only competition by a small
1: percentage, but what do you think? Oh, man, I don't... Beach is that that shit that ends up between you crack after you get flogged at Keiki Shawbreak? I'm not really sure what you're talking about, that, but uh, I don't like that stuff, so I'm going to have to go with an under...
0: Well, I love Have Derek. a cone piece, Jake. Have a couple, mate. Treat yourself. Derek Rowley's one of the best writers I've ever fucking known in my life. The guy's so clever, and he's got a new book out by, about David Gulpalil. It's unbelievable. His Bob Hawke book, he's got this story on the very first page. There's this anecdote where Bob Hawke's uh, a union leader. He's just as Aussie as it comes, and uh, he says, how Aussie was he? How Aussie was Bob Hawke? One of his aides comes up to him and goes, Bob I've got awful news. Kennedy's been shot. And he just spat out his beer and he went, Graham Kennedy's been shot? <laughs> Mate, fucking buy that book. It mate,
1: is unbelievable. Seriously Mark Horten's a fucking legend. We wouldn't have universal healthcare without we'll him, mate. Derek, Derek wrote it. Yeah. Right. It's unbelievable.
0: He's uh and also a great a good a good honest fucking socialist, mate. Good on you, Bob. And also I was at the cricket and saw him scalabir. beer as the fucking highlight of my life. I can't believe it. <laughs> I saw him at the ashes. Next level. Rest in peace, Bob. Oh,
4: thank
6: you. Oh, yeah, I'm just a big fan of the CT, and I'm noticing that we're lacking some Aussies, so I'm a great fan of uh, the right, the young right, the natural footer who's out at the minute.
1: Oh, Mickey Wright, the mullet-headed Hamad man.
6: Yes, man, the maddest. Mad cat, and I'd well, like to see him back. But now we uh, his uh, finest. Who's going to take us forward from here? Who do you guys think up on the stage?
5: Ryan Callaghan. Fucking
6: yeah! out, huge goal.
1: Man, he could be anything, eh? I feel like Callum could easily win a world title if it all clicks for him. Cranny, what do you reckon of Callum and surfer, mate? Yeah,
6: he's awesome. Love it. Love watching him surf. <laughs> deep, deep is analysis the new from archie, Cranny, mate. Is well the new
5: said. Well said. Well played. He's a world champ person, and he's a world champ surfer for sure and I hope one day that he fucking wins the world title because he's a fucking legend and I've known that fucking cunt since I was like 12, 11 years old and I've got so much fucking respect for him and I feel like a lot of people don't, like, I don't know, realise how good he is at surfing and especially you, you see it when you, when you see him compared to other people on tour. You see the way he draws lines and... And just his style and his approach and just him as a human, he's the fucking, he's the legend, man.
2: Mad, well said. He's a man. I, um... Great question. I thought thought, to get on that just quickly. I, um... I, I work on the lifeguards out in Marooba, too, around the council. I was working down there yesterday. And above our office is the Surfing New South Wales office. And uh, Blakey Johnson from Cronulla was there with a bunch of kids. Blake Thorne, who I work with on the lifeguards, he's a coach as well as Paul Moffat. Former CT up,
1: Blake, Blake
2: Thorne, spent a year on the CTR, tour. yeah. And Johnny Schmook obviously runs a show up there. And, and they had some little camp there yesterday on Saturday, like a bunch of kids under 15 or 16, and they were fucking going bonkers. I don't know the kids' names, but... Whoever they were, the, like, the Australians, you know, uh, surfing's I didn't even know what they were doing. What, I was just, like, the turns or what are the airs. I couldn't even, like, really process what they were doing. But it was phenomenal surfing. Like, it's gone that high-tech these days. Like, I'm just used to talking about cutbacks and snaps and barrels or whatever. But there, it, was, it was all time. So, I'll just a little insight into what's in the future hey, was phenomenal. Mate,
0: can I just – awesome thing that you brought that up, Rich, because uh, in the room right now we have a world champ. Is he uh, under sixteen? Is he under sixteen? Yeah, under world sixteen. Champ? I say world champion. He's, he's from Bondi, and he's an absolute legend and a maniac. I've been on a few, uh, one trip with him, and he was just fucking teeing off. He's such Davies. a good surfer. Can't spare a kingfisher. Grayson Hendricks over here. Oh, there he is. Give him <laughs> This is. Uh... Yeah, have a couple of cone
1: pieces, Grayson, but not till you're eighteen, mate. <laughs>
0: Uh, this kid is legit. He is going to do some magic stuff. And Crammy uh, like, mate, don't worry. The, the Bondi crew coming through. I know you're in all the beaches, Blake, a little bit these days. But the, the, it runs deep. The vein of talent I'd is I'd be still stoked here.
6: to see it, mate. be stoked to see it. On you, Grayson. Fuck you, yeah, in the future, well Scum
0: All the best, lads. All right, let's take a couple more and then we'll wrap this thing up. Wait, does anyone have any
5: mouths? Wait. Does anyone have any 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 mouths?
1: <laughs> 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 right, real mouth. Public service announcement. Quietly. Anyone has nugs, can they please make their way? If you do have some, just come up the I'll side be, of the stage, but keep it. Yeah, we'll keep be on the here. download. Yeah
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll keep on the download. We're not going to smoke it on the premises or anything. We're just like, but if you have some.
0: <laughs> well
5: played.
4: This is a
0: two-part question for Vass, mate. Number one, my wife was asking. We were out at ours one day. It was pumping. It was
5: massive, and she was out there with big big bio- autobiography of readers. You're next to Ben
0: Cousins books, actually. And <laughs> in your book, mate, fucking... You said that someone ended up in the car park. They we got wiped out and got blown into the car park. How much truth is
2: to that story? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, half and half again. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. But... <laughs> but that said, what I was referring to, you fall off early at ours and it's the first way to the set is a good chance you're getting blown off the cliffs and just in front of the cliffs is the car park so might have stretched it a little bit but you fall early you fucking end up near quickly, the car park quickly tell you.
1: worst hiding you've ever seen out there worst hiding ever of all time were you, were, well, were you the guy at the uh, start of Formula 3 remember that VHS that on the tracks cover uh, I think it was the first ever footage of ours and that's the child yeah I don't know the, the guy on the first wave over the clip, he's fucking just doing a Double front flip, grabbing his know, head. I he and...
2: made him out there, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> but yeah, who? Caught but you know what? To be honest, Kobe Graham getting scalped and yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. stretching his yeah. neck. It was pretty
0: that. scary, you know, broken um, neck. Can I just ask you, Rich, there, there's a classic footage from the first uh, Cape Fear of Kobe going to jump off the rocks and he coughs <laughs> it and face plants. The best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best. What, what, how, did the, how did the bra boys sort of console him and make him feel okay about that?
2: <laughs> they just went, ah! Like, there's no, no, no consoling. It's just yeah, yeah, fucking no, cop that. No, yeah, but fine. just like every good mate would, you know, you don't. In those kind of situations, it's, he's look. No one's died. He's, no, he's not attached. He's got cancer. He just tripped off the fucking rocks. So
4: nah. You
2: know, just, it could happen. I reckon, you know, a better person on a better day, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Only the whole world was watching. Uh, two more. All right, I got two questions. First one for Richard Cram. What's the biggest aqua turd you see at South Bondi in the eighties? <laughs> oh, good question. Yeah. The biggest Bondi cigar ever sighted at South Bondi. And and did you have did all the surfers carry rulers around in their pockets <laughs> to make sure that
6: Okay, so I actually literally can't believe we surfed Bondi back in the day in a, on shore. onshore. Um, yeah, there's a time that they had a sewage strike on, right? And it's just it was like went on for... Weeks <laughs> and we kept on surfing. I can't even believe it. You used, to, you used to go for a surf and you'd duck dive and you'd just yeah. push your lips together <laughs> as hard as you can. I oh. know oh, you did. Like, well, no, it wasn't like turds, but it mate, it was all
1: like hospital, hospital yeah. effluent. It was coming out of a stink pipe, right? There was a big old stink pipe. Yeah, and it's on you the northeast, right you just the see it come around the corner. The Nor'easter blew it in. Oh,
6: the Nor'easter used to blow it in. Fuck, be a beautiful that's our prevailing day. wind. <laughs> yeah, and it just...
4: <laughs>
6: they had an ASP event one time. They had a pro event at Bondo one time, and they had to call it off because the Northeaster come in, and this brown sludge came around the corner, and it's a beautiful day, you know, like Northeaster yeah, day. Yeah, offshore, we're a back 28 it's degrees, like. it's beautiful. In comes the crap. Like, as <laughs> you can see, there's just a line of it. And by the afternoon, the onshore, come up, bang, and it's just... It was disgusting, but... It was, it was we just, similar. We lived with
2: that. Uh, South Maruba too, like they're the, the treatment plant off Malabar and I used to do nippers at South Maruba and there'd be mornings where you go down to nippers and the, they'd just be coming off waving off up the sand, just waving. No, nah, nah, not today because the southerly had come up and for in our case it was a and just little logs would be rocking up on the beach, you know. Okay, like, okay, doing, you know the speedos ready to you know, fucking do there's, flags. There's with, like, there's <laughs> guys, you know, just walk back home on a Sunday. like nice, no, no, In fairness ah, yeah, yeah, to
0: the question though, what was... What was the biggest?
6: Well, mate, I don't ever remember seeing like a, a shit per se. You know hey, I mean?
1: like, man, say. I'm going to say the size of a peach seed. I'll never forget walking along North Bondi and thinking like, oh, there's a little peach seed, and picking it up, and it just kind of squished in my fingers, and then I smelt my fingers, and it was a little oh. nug. Peachy. Oh. Oh. And that was like long TG. after the uh, the stink pipe had been removed, so I don't know what that was doing. There. That was just on a kind of, freak of nature. Yeah. Uh, my question's for Credo. Hey, take your hat off, mate, first. Give us a look at that fucking proud and Is majestic Is it a scallop? And majestic moment. Oh. oh, mate. Stand up. Stand up, please, sir. On your feet, mate. Give him a look.
2: Yes! Um.
0: Fucking best I've seen. <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: What about the bleeding off the fucking left ear? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look at this guy, Bondi like Groove, old school, flying the flag. You hell oh. man.
6: <laughs> oh, fucking weird. up. My questions for Credo: um, Since the last time around on this tour, do you still back your your statements about pots? <laughs> to
5: be honest, uh, like to be honest, I was really fucking drunk that time, <laughs> and, no. and and like. Don't get me wrong, I had an interaction with Potts and he rubbed me the wrong way and I think he's a wanker. <laughs> but that's all right, I got no problem with that. If Potts hates me, and I saw him in Indonesia and, you know, it was awkward and whatever. <laughs> like, I'm sweet with him hating me. He was a fucking dickhead to me in, in, in face, you know, and uh, so fuck him, yeah. <laughs>
1: Let's end this thing like
5: we
0: have, started it, have, have you got a winner? Who's your winner? Have we got some mullet? <laughs> the mullet? <laughs> the,
2: yeah. the
0: boys are just going to award the haircut, not the question. Yeah, fucking you know. 100%. Agreed.
1: Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed yourselves, Swillians. Uh, that about wraps us up for the day. I've got nothing else to say, man. I'm pretty to just lung a hottie and. uh. Up the
3: fucking Swillians <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding
6: me. You're kidding me, right? Are
3: you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 Are you
5: kidding me? Are you kidding
3: me?
0: Are you kidding me You've
3: gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Jesus, you gotta be kidding me. You have gotta be
4: kidding me! Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be
3: kidding me. You've gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! 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 Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on! You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding You gotta be kidding me. Are
4: you kidding me?
3: Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're kidding right? Are you kidding me? You kidding you kidding me? Are 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 you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? you fucking kidding me? Are 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 you fucking
4: kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? You have not to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?